All right, let's start off with Mark chapter 16. Now everybody's getting to it. <laughs> <laughs> and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved. But he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who have believed. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will pick up serpents, and if they drink any deadly poison, it shall not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. And a few verses before that, as he talks about Mary was Mary Magdalene, that he had appeared to, said, whom he had cast out seven demons. I I had known that, but I it, it must have slipped my mind because it was kind of shocking when I reread it. He had seven demons, and and she was one of the. She was basically a disciple that just went everywhere with him after that happened. I mean, she was and evidently here at his ascension too. But um. I've been thinking it. I am just so sick and tired of being not this person. It says these things will accompany those who believe. And I don't do these things. No, we don't handle serpents. Well, right here he's talking to his disciples. Yeah, but we're there with him. Right. And then they went out and did that. Right. But we're going to look at other scriptures where he had had over 120 disciples during his ministry, and he gave them the same instructions as as they went as well. This was an example. Yeah, yeah, this was the 11. Go out out and do this. But he's talking to the 11, but this is a generality. He says. These signs will accompany those who have believed. So my question to myself was, and I think it should be to everybody, why don't these things accompany us? Now, now, D made a smart elk remark about, well, we don't handle serpents. Well, the common sense part of this is, Paul was shipwrecked. He was putting wood on a fire, and a viper bit him, a viper that would kill you almost instantly. He just shook it off and kept going. That's what this is talking about. If somebody tainted your drink with some poison and you drank it, it's not going to affect you because you're one of these who believe. So, remember the. Right, right, right. Do you think this was something that they were? No, I think I think uh, no, I don't think so. I think the the Jonestown people. Yeah, I mean, not necessarily them knowing about it, but do you think it was him testing this scripture? I don't. I don't know. That was that whole situation was so weird. I'm not sure. But but there are the hill jacks down there. Play with the snakes. Yeah, the 
serpent handlers and and that's just and that's just it they're they're testing it i mean it's just ridiculous that's what this is talking about is what i just explained but my point is these things will accompany those who believe do we believe the scripture as truth to, to me i read this and, and, and i was i was up early hours this morning And so me and, me and God have been talking. But I'm fall, I fall way short of this. Do I believe in God? Yes, I believe in God. But do I believe in God to this extent? I don't think I must. I haven't pursued him enough to operate in this capacity. But this isn't Harry Potter. This is the truth. And, and we've, we're going to read other scriptures here, too. Um, well, I think it's harder for us to believe as they believe because this was their lifestyle. We have too many distractions. Everything in our and, life and, and that's And that's what I'm kind of getting to. Right, that's what I'm getting to, but but is that an excuse for us? And, 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 that's, and that's my point. What is it going to take for us to be true believers? Total, total situation that they were in where, where they could be martyred tomorrow? Surely we don't have to live our lives to, because maybe we, what happens if we're that person who lives this comfort life our whole life and we never even get even close to something like that? How do we stand before God and say, well, I had such a comfortable life, Lord, I didn't, have to, I didn't really have to pursue you to this extent. Right. Think about that. Think about standing before Christ and giving him that excuse. We play church. I have played church my whole life. And I'm not pointing my finger at any of you. I'm talking about me. I have not done what I need to do. And I, I don't know what I don't know what it's going to take, but I would beat some up. I think you're like, we are definitely on the right track. Yeah. I think we're absolutely right where God wants us to be right now, this moment, because all the things that have happened in our our, our past, our, everything that has led up to this point in your heart, my heart, Joey's heart, Steve's, everybody's heart here, we're here. Well, and, 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 maybe that, and then maybe that's what I'm trying to get to is, is for whatever reason, he is bugging me to death over this. You know, it's, you know, I wrote, get your head out of your proverbial, you know, and, and that, that's what I feel because I, I just, I, I cannot go the rest of my life playing church. I, you know what I mean? I, I just, I just, we, we, we read this as it's, it was them. No, 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 no. It wasn't them. It's us. We cannot excuse our relationship and walk with God any longer. By not living up to this standard. I don't think he expects, expects us to 
not have any of this, though, you know? No, no, no exactly. That's it, but that's what I mean. We can't use our comfort zone as an excuse not to walk in this in this path with God. We can't do it. I, I mean, if it meant that I was that I was going to lose out with God, I would say take it. But I don't believe He wants that. I believe He wants somebody to be able to press in in their blessing and walk in this. It, it, as a matter of fact. I believe he's requiring it because, to be honest, if your back is against the wall and your government is pursuing you to kill you because of your belief in Christ, it's a little bit easier to press in to the presence of God, to be honest, because really that's all you've got. I think he wants a, a people who he has blessed that still believe enough to press in to that. That's what he said. Because don't you think that that, that if if you if you did that in a blessed state, that he would reckon your 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 belief as righteousness? You you know uh, even even Abraham, he was in tight spots here and there, but he was blessed beyond imagination because of his belief. I believe. And, uh, I mean, the, the time that he had Sarah go cook a meal for basically pre-incarnation of the Lord out there, when he came in and told him that he was going to have a son and Sarah laughed, you know, and he, he made, I think that was right before he went to Sodom and Gomorrah. But anyway, shared this meal with the Lord. I don't know how, how big he was at that time as far as, servants and, and cattle. It was outrageous. He had already separated from Lot because they had too much. So for for relative reasons, he was a very blessed and wealthy man at that point. But there's not too many in America that live like Abraham did as far as belief in God. Let's, uh, I, I have a question for you, though, Bill. So as we're looking at this, because this was written I understand this was written during that day. Mm-hmm. The Bible is applicable to our lives today. Mm-hmm. It absolutely is. But as we're looking at this, and when he says, go into the world and preach the good news, wonderful. Then he says, and those who are baptized. Mm-hmm. But then he says, and they'll be fine. They will drive out the end. What does that look like in today's world? I don't, how would it be any different? But I think it is. I think it's what we do. Like, I think it is different because we, I genuinely have no idea who has a demon. I don't. Right, but 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 that's part of this closeness in your walk with God is that we go back to the gifts we've been talking about, right. discerning the spirits, so, those kind of things. So what I'm saying is we are so callous, we we don't press into the presence of God enough. We don't even ask for. Paul says, "Desire all these gifts." Do we do? Do we desire? No, we don't desire them because we're comfortable. I don't, but I don't, I don't believe they were handling snakes. I, it's what I, it's just what I was talking about. Paul was putting lumber on a fire, and, and, a, and a snake bit him. It's an example. It, it, it's things of, of creation aren't going to hurt you. Driving out demons is a, is 
It, well, it just talked about Mary having seven demons. I know, no, I know, and I know that, she, that he put demons in flesh. Right. In this specific passage, if a snake is just an example, is talking in tongues just an example, is driving out demons just an example, is drinking deadly poison but not being hurt just an example, what, how do we apply this to our life today, one thing? If we don't want to play church... Uh, ab- we, well, we have to press in, for one thing. Okay. Uh, discern spirits. If you discern a spirit and you discern... I'm at the jail. There's 1,200 inmates on an average day over there. I bet you, and I deal with them, that if I had enough of the presence of the Lord, those demons would probably react to me like they did the Lord. And I know that that jail is full of people who are demon-possessed. If I had enough of the Holy Spirit in me, and, and, and I had enough discerning of the spirits, and I walked by doing a check in Bravo 4 to the guy who's covered in, in feces and everything else, screaming out, acting crazy, and that demon responded to me. By this, I would have the authority to cast that demon out and, and, te- and also tell him, I did this by the power of Jesus Christ. You have a void now in, in, in your heart. Do you want to know the Lord? That's what he's after. And, and we're going to get into some of these verses, too, about the harvest and different things like that. Just because we live in America and, it, and we, we are a comfortable side of town, it doesn't mean that this whole city is filled with people like that. I think we all have demons inside of us. I know. I know I did. When it would be, I would rather get high, get drunk, than listen to go to church. I know there was something inside of me saying, no, you but, want to do this. But, and I think the Lord released me of that. Right. Moment. But right. Question, I guess I guess I just type the difference between what's an example and what's real. And what and what is and what is the demon versus what is it said? Because we are all well, I think so does that mean we're all filled with demons? No. No. Perfect. No and even Saul. Saul Saul wasn't, I believe, possessed by a demon continually. Right. He had he had evil spirits Come and go. So did Mary Magdalene. Well, Mary was she was possessed with seven, and the Lord just cast them out. Well, I know, I so I believe they will hang out a lot of times and live there. Quiet and whatever. Yeah, just well, just well, all the like at the jail. Uh, Smith, no doubt, he's demon possessed. And, and, and there are some things that I've noticed about some of these people that I think are possessed, especially in their eyes. There's a blackness in their eyes, and. Where you, you, I'm not saying we can't. I'm saying your walk with Jesus to where you probably could cast out demons. Might not. So what does my pressing into God look like? That's, and that's what, that's what this is about. Good. Because I think we need to teach these kids and me, what does pressing in look like? Because sometimes pressing in is as simple as Joey wakes up in the middle of the night and he's thinking about his mother. That might be God saying, pray for your mom right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, it's, it, it per- but that could be pressing I, in. I, I, this morning, I got up to go to the bathroom, 3.30, went back, couldn't sleep, couldn't sleep, and this was on my mind. So I, I got up. But, but what I'm saying is we don't do, we're so content with our life, we, we don't press. We don't press. And, 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 and I'm going to bring, you know, I, I talked back in around Tabernacles about 
I'm sensing that maybe the Lord wants us to press a little bit with him, maybe with some fasting and stuff like that. And I'm going to present that at at the end of the service. I'm going to do some of that next week. Maybe somebody, if if you feel like that's on your heart and you want to participate, give me a day. I'll make up the rest. You know, because it's that important because, man, I, I... we have the anointing and the authority of God, Jesus Christ, sending us out. We can really start impacting things. Let's read a little bit more. Somebody read read uh, Matthew six thirty three. This is we've talked about this one before. We're going to go right through Matthew from, from... But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Okay, we, we've talked about that, but the focus has to be seek the kingdom. You know, we, we have every boundaries you can think of talking about prosperity, how, how, how much you give to God, how you're going to be blessed, blah. They don't even talk about this. All it is is a prosperity sermon. This should not even be in your mind of what you're going to get out of it. It should be a total lordship of Jesus Christ, total submission to be a servant of God. Let's go on to Matthew 7, verses 7 and 8. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. That goes right along with that previous previous verse about seeking the kingdom of God. Ask. But, but and a perseverance in this asking. It's and, and and he goes on, he talk he talks about the later on I, I don't I don't know if it was here or not, but later on he talks about the parable where the where the guy went and knocked on the on his friends because he had a visitor and uh he's Leave me alone, my kids are in bed. Boom, boom, boom. No, I have it's that's what God is after. It's not a tongue-in-cheek thing. He, for whatever reason, he wants to know if, if your desire to love him is really to the point where we're... This morning, I, I was in agony over this. It went to anger, the whole of myself, frustration... I, I mean, I'm, I'm talking, I said, this needs to happen. I am tired of reading about Joe Blow encountering God and doing your will. And if, it's, if, it, if I'm self-seeking anyway, then reveal it to me so we can deal with that. You know what I mean? It's, it's, I want to be pure in this thing. I don't want to be self-motivated in any way. Everything I do, I want to do it for the good of the kingdom. But you've got, we've got to realize too as well, and, and truly know in your heart that you're a sinner. You are a sinner. And to get away from that is it, it's virtually impossible. You're not going to do it. You're not going to lead this perfect life. There's only one person who did. You know, right here in these red letters. You know, when, you, when you say press in, it reminds me of this right here, knock, reminds me of pressing in again. And it reminds me of when I, pressing into me reminds me of when 
I would have excuses of, no, I don't have time to do that. No, I don't have time to do that. No, I don't. And then I'm sitting there four or five hours of changing channels or I'm doing nothing around the house or doing stupid things. We've all got time. I have, I've had plenty of time to depress and even more. And that's, and, that's, and that's part of it, too, is the, the more you, you consciously make yourself aware of that, the more you hear the Holy Spirit making you aware of it. You know what I mean? When I get so busy in my life and I don't go out, I don't make sure that I make that time, it is amazing to me how many times during that week I don't even think of Him. You know, you know what I mean? I mean, I have, I, have, I have got so busy, especially when I was running my business and you're bidding late at night, you're doing all those kind of things. You've got every excuse in the world. And before you know it, four days go by and you haven't had a conversation with your Lord. And to me, that's, those, that's what twisted back to, to my thoughts of we all have these demons inside of us. Once you're not constantly filling yourself with these words, these things daily, if you will, and you get away from it like that, it's easy to, like you said, four days go by and you're like, wow, I haven't, I haven't done anything. What am I doing? You know, and you just, you feel bad, things things aren't necessarily going the way they should. Well, and I, I think it's also important for all of us that are still kind of fresh in our walk. It says here, for anyone who asks, receives. For anyone who, who asks, receives. That's actually not true. Not in the way we think it is. You know, we've asked for lots of things that we don't receive. Lots of things. I think the pressing into Jesus, I think another reason why it's so important is because when you ask for things, you do receive. It's just not what you think it is, I guess. I don't know if that makes sense. I wanted my marriage to Jake to work out. I begged. I pleaded. I prayed. I was on my hands and knees. I, I, I pleaded. And God did not give me that. But what he gave me was Sean. Now it took four years. But I didn't, you know, I asked. I begged. I pleaded. I, I pressed. I banged. I screamed. I yelled. I did whatever I could. Mm-hmm. And I didn't receive that. I received and I think when when we when we look at that, you will receive. Be very careful, because God will give you what is best for you. It might not be what you're specifically asking for. It is what I asked for. It's not the way I verbalized it. Right. I want a man who will love me, but put God first, who will pray with my children, who will who will honor me. Oh wait, I got that. I thought it was in your dad, but instead it's in Sean. It's just I think that's pressing in. We have to press in for so many reasons. Well, I think that's it's true. Ben's job. Twisted a lot. Like, like Ben didn't get sure. Because when I got so comfortable, I didn't press in. I got so 
Right. And that's not God's fault. That was my fault. And he hit me with a two-by-four and said, Melinda, you have to press into me. Because if you're not pressed into me, if you're not focused on me, if you're not living for me, then all these little things seep in. Mm-hmm. And before you know it... I think a lot of it is, too, is that I think a lot of people press in, but without faith. True. And I think that... Yeah, that scripture right there is the proof right. of that. Right. Because so, people so, think he's a genius. Right, you know, exactly. We say we press in. We press in, I press in, I press in. Well, did you have enough faith behind the pressing in that it changed something? Well, how about you with your job? You're pressing into God. You absolutely are. When you texted Sean and said, I, I, yeah, I, I got okay, it. I won't get into it. Right. You're pressing in. Right. And God is, I think God is answering your prayer. You just aren't sure that that's where you want the, the answer to go. Well, I, and I, I have trouble pressing in with faith. There you go. And that's, that's go. it. You can't just press in and expect everything to be right. okay without faith. Right. And I think that's that's why when you say, well, I press in and I press in, or we press in and we press in and then nothing happens. Well, did you have faith? But you know what, Joey? You're right, and I didn't. I had faith that my marriage was going to be healed. That was the faith I had. But I never stopped pressing in. I, I, I questioned it. I questioned it, and I didn't understand it. Okay, once your faith changed from what you wanted to just God, that's and that's and that's just it. A lot of times, you have to you have to get to the point where I, I know this is going to work, but I have to do it in the will of God. Right. And you and you've got to get to a point sometimes where you say, my logic in this God could be all screwed up. You need to take over with this. And, and, and to be honest, that's what the gift of tongues does. Once you receive that gift, you 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 spend your prayer time expressing that in, in in tongues, and it's your spirit talking mysteries. That's what Paul says. So it's you, I. That's the way I use it. I take my myself out of that situation using that gift because I I don't want to pray wrong. You know, if you're praying wrong out of the will of God. You know, he just just like with Melinda, he he still knew her heart, so so he gave her what she really needed anyway. But but she was kind of battling against against the way God was really going to lead this thing. And I think that's part of like my testimony or her testimony, a lot of people's testimonies is when you get to that point where you're like, I'm I'm done with myself. That's it. I can't I can't do it. I need you. I need you, and you drop down. And isn't that how you found Bill? I did, yeah. And do your kids know that story? Uh, I don't know. No. So Deanna was dating just a not good guy. You know, I'm sure you know Paul. She was dating not a good guy. And she was struggling, and Dad was struggling with her, and she, oh yeah, oh yeah. We were all struggling with her, and and she she knew Paul was wrong, but she loved him, and she she had to give him up, and she didn't want to. Finally, and this is her testimony, finally she literally said, all right, God, I am done. I am doing it. I think she actually verbalized, I'm done. I'm doing it to you. I am finished. And was it within three days, a week? 30. 30 days. Within 30 days, One she did that. One little month. Now, it's hard. I was with this guy for five years on and off. So it was not a year long. It was five years. And I would say I'm done. In my head, I'd bring it back. I'd bring it back. Finally, I was done. I said, I am done, done. And then I have 30 days later. And she, but she gave it to God. She I said, did. I am done, done. I, I'm done, God. I can't do this. You have to step in. You have to take over. And 30 days later, she met your dad. And, and Megan, 
here within about seven months. So. transformation and there's going to be a people who are going to walk into this complete transformation at the end of the age somebody's going to do it but as you walk a lot of that old Adam begins to die and you become regenerated with the new Adam Jesus says I'm the first one among many brethren he is our final he's the new species he's the first of that new species that's what we are going to be that's what we're transforming to it doesn't happen instantaneous it's the more the presence of God comes in our life, I believe the more that old Adam dies and and it's just it's a it's a daily thing. It's and uh the, the more we stay in the presence of God, the more that old Adam dies. And, and and you see it in your own life, you see the thing that used to be a real hang up with you isn't so much anymore. Sometimes you're completely delivered from it. Uh there have been people who've been saved and uh just a Maybe an alcoholic, instant, instantaneously healed. It doesn't happen with everybody, but there are those instances. And that's part of that old Adam dying. I'm, I'm, I'm one of those. I was, I was smoking pot up since I was 12 years old to seven years ago yesterday. Got to the point where I, God just said, I'm releasing you of that. You don't have to do that anymore. One day, was it? And I and I and I've asked him. I've asked him. I said, "Do you ever do you ever get sent to it? Because it was part of his life for so long." And he goes, "I actually don't." We were in Vegas, and the pot smell was oh yeah, it, it, it was it's probably vile to him now. Yeah. Yeah. It used to be like I'm smelling like a great dinner or something. Like that. Oh my goodness! Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. Now it's like oh, Northern Lights is cannabis. Yeah, <laughs> I know that smell. <laughs> it's just it's it's not. Disgusting, but it's like that's that's not that's not it. It's not it's it. It's just not it. It's just, you know. And when we were there, he was like, and, and one of the reasons he doesn't want to go back is I just I don't need to be around that. Yep. It's not because he's tempted. It's not because he's just because I don't I don't need to be around anymore. Yep. He truly is one of the ones who was genuinely delivered from it in a day. No no cold trick. He just in an instant he said, I, and I I didn't hear him verbalize that, but I. Felt it in my heart. I felt him say, "You know what? You do not need that anymore." It was done. Then we. Was done. I, he's dead now, but I had a 
when I was a child, Buzz Roberts, Dan knows what I'm talking about. He was, I mean, he got a two tours, two tours in Vietnam, and he was on big time drugs over there. When he got back here, I mean, he was in anything you could think of. And and when God scared him, he ran to God. And once he laid it on the, he was done. You know, never looked back. And he was somebody who was, I mean, acid, heroin, the whole nine did it all. <laughs> so, Matthew uh, chapter 9, somebody do this one, uh, 37, 38. I can do it, we have to slow down, I can't do it. 37 to We're going to be in Matthew, so. Well, I got my nine. <laughs> There's nine. Right for 10. <laughs> it's been a while since I've been in here with you here. Just find 10 and I'll get it. There's just, there's just, wait a second. The reason why I was so emphatic about bringing your Bible instead of the phone, it kind of ties in what Sean was talking about earlier. We, we, we get so distracted with the remotes and the, our, our attention span. This makes you actually use your brain. You ask you, oh, wait a minute. I can't just put in a search. I've got to actually turn these pages. And, and it's, and it's not that this is, I'm not making this out to be an idol, but it's, it, it, it becomes, it, it's, it's not, right. It's, it's, it's something that's living. I, I, these pages, you know, Jeremiah talks about eating them. He got the word and he, he ate it. You know, so, okay, go ahead. Uh, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Perfect. That, and, you know, that has been talked about for centuries. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And we say it real fast and go on. This is what I'm kind of talking about. This is part of the pressing in. Let's do the whole package. And that's what we're going to We're going to go through, Matthew. This is just, I just hit some high points that are involved with this discipleship. Uh, Matthew chapter 10, 7, 8, and 9. As you go preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Freshly, freely you receive, freely give. Do not acquire gold or silver or copper for your money belt, or bag for your journey, or even two coats or sandals or a staff. For the workers is worthy of his support. There again, this isn't just the leaven he was talking about here. He had a bunch of disciples that he was sending out at this time, and it goes right back to the Great Commission. Not only did he say heal the sick, he said raise the dead. Mm-hmm. I want to be that people. I don't want to be some mystical thing. I, I, I have heard people say, well, that was just for then. Where do you get that? It, you know. Well, part of, the reason we don't, part of the reason we get it for then is because in the whole world, of how many billions are here? In the whole world, I have not seen anybody or know of anybody who has raised somebody from the dead. Right. I don't know. I haven't known anyone. But, that, but there again... I don't want to put that off on somebody else. That's my responsibility. Yeah, I know, but I would have thought there's somebody out of 8 billion people that also would think it's his responsibility. 
not just Bill Horn. There's somebody out there like Bill Horn. And, and it, you know, and uh, it is, this stuff could be happening. You're just not seeing it. Well, you, I, and I, today I, you have to work more in the faith because we're not seeing it directly in hand. Yeah, but back we're not then seeing they Jesus do this stuff. But back then they thought. Back then they, they heard about but, it. But everybody wasn't raising the dead. There, no, but when they did raise from the dead, the word got out. Right, but it, but most of the time that it happened was when Jesus showed up on the scene and he sent the disciples out with his authority and those kind of things. There was a new day. They had done it before. I mean, Elijah had done it. Probably Elisha too. I don't remember for sure, but but they had done it. There had been a few prophets along the way. But during this time when Jesus was there and after his ascension, it we read about it all through the New Testament. The reason why we read about it through all through the Old Testament is because of the day of Pentecost when he poured out the Holy Spirit. He gave the authority that he walked on this earth with, and that was a new day. It was a transition time. Now there's well, been a, and Pentecost. now there's been a falling away. There's some great apostasy, and he talked about that. But that's what I'm talking about. There is a restoration that's happening and preparing us for this end time. And this people in this end time are going to do everything we read about and more. Well, so we're nowhere near the end time. No, we, it's going to be very quick. The end time is coming quick. I, I think the reason why I, 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 I'm so passionate about this is because he says that it's going to come like birth pains. So if when a, like like Melinda when she's given birth, they started out a little bit nagging, and the closer to the end it came, the more frequent it was. That's the way the end time is. Okay. So it's gonna it's gonna birth this man child, which is us. That man child coming forth as the sons of God, and in the end time it's going. And it, there was also he also gave another parable about the sower overtaking the reaper. That's the way the end time is. So there, there's an urgency in with me. And Paul also says there's a groaning inside you, inside me that I, you know, you just can't even explain. We're groaning within ourselves. Creation is groaning. It's it's coming, and we have had two two thousand years since Christ of. A, a great falling away, and there's been a slow restoration. But we're coming into the end time where the, these things are going to start flowing quicker and faster because that's the way he prophesied it happening. It's going to be an exponential thing. So it's good to talk about this. It's good to, we're talking about pressing in because it's just going to flow. There is no doubt it's just going to start flowing. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is I don't want to play church. We have to have an expectancy, an expectation that this is just going to break loose in, in all of us. That's what, and that's the exciting part of it. Somebody read uh, 13, 14, and 15. That same chapter. And if the house is worthy, let. And if the house is worthy, let your greetings of peace come upon it. But if it's not worthy, Um, let your greetings of peace return to you. How many hundred did you want to get to? 13, 14, and 15. And whoever does not receive you, nor heed your word, as you go out of the house or the city, shake off the dust of your feet. Truly I say to you, 
It will be more tolerable for the lands of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that. Yeah. This is, this is the harvest he's talking about. Harvest is plentiful. Go out. Preach the gospel. If you go into a house and you're preaching the gospel and they're accepting it, you give them your blessing. You give them your peace. If they reject God, you shake the dust off your feet. Because it's going to be better than for Sodom and Gomorrah than it's going to be for them who reject Christ in this time. There's an instructional thing going on here with these disciples he's sending out. This is some kind of stuff that we don't hear about, preached about. That's how, how, how prevalent and how powerful God in us is going to be in this end time. We're going to carry enough His authority in these situations. And they're going to have to respond to us like it's Jesus Christ Himself, because that's what He says. If He, he says, if they reject you, they, they reject me. That's what the Lord says. If they accept you, they accept me. So you have to understand how how powerful a situation he has put us into and the responsibility that goes along with that. Uh, 16, go ahead and read 16.2. Uh, well, I don't know that. Here's 16. Behold, I'm sorry to read that Behold, I send you out a sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. Okay, there, there again. There, there's a wisdom even that he's talking about you're going to have to have to do this. You just can't... The government passes a certain law, a certain way. You just can't go stand on the, uh, the corner and start spouting it out, maybe. I'm just giving an example. You've got to be shrewd. You, you, you've, got, you've got to, there again, press it, get some discernment, get some, some words of wisdom from God. Those kind of things are going to be needed. Um, it gets more interesting. Somebody read uh, verses 19, 20. Like you said, sorry, this is like an instruction manual for us. Yeah. When you go out and you're, and you're, what Bill's saying is when you go out and say you go to your buddy's house or whatever and you're, you're speaking the word to them and they're like, they don't want nothing to do with it, what Jesus is saying is leave that situation. Whether it be just in words, just be done with it. Walk off, be done with it. He's saying, shake your, get out of that, really. I don't think he's really saying just leave them alone, but just stop that right there. But when you find people that are so accepted to that, keep keep feeding them, keep keep giving them that. That's these instructions that when where are we at on sixteen? Yeah. yeah, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. That's what he's he's kind of telling you. A lot most of these folks, <laughs> they're not going to care. They're not going to give one rest patootie what you're talking about and that's where it all comes back again to that remnant there's in this book there's always been that little jesus said narrow is the gate and wide is the gate to deception and and evilness but narrow is the gate to him so there's always just going to be the small piece of people that get into this that that read this that press into this let's be those people let's don't you know Let's don't let it go in one ear and out the other, you know, sort of. Let's, if you have friends that you want to minister to, pray to the, the Spirit before you talk to them. Pray to the Holy Spirit before you say anything to them. He will give you that wisdom to to talk and, you know, to, to give them the right advice at that point. That's that's going back to the shrewd as a serpent. Mm-hmm. 
you know, you, you, you get you get it. I'm careful with, with our neighbor over here. I don't preach at him 24-7. I don't hit him over the head with a hammer. I wait for an opportunity. And, uh, you know, every once in a while we'll have a five or ten minute deal. And he, I've, I've set him up, or the Lord has set him up. Let's say it that way. Where he kind of walks into, okay, now I, now, now, now I can get that. Exactly. Exactly. And you, every time I've watched him walk away perplexed, and you can see it. He doesn't want to admit it, but you can see it all over him. Like, yeah, he's got, yeah, yeah. you know, he just, he could have. He could have. different than it was with, with Jesus. I mean, getting thrown in with the Pharisees and, and having to do, they're always trying to set him up, you know, and, and all those kind of things. And he, he just, he just listened to the father every time and just smoked up. And I guess that's where I'm kind of getting at. Don't feel like you have to know all this. You guys. Don't feel like, oh man, I need to, I need to, I can't go into that situation because I don't know this. Pray, you'll be okay. Even if you don't know it, Pray, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to be a scholar. You know, and your prayer can be scholar. simple. All right, God, this, this is it. Right. Take over right now. Your word's not mine. Right. Verse 21, and brother will deliver up a brother to death, and a father his child, and children will raise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. And when we look around the room, we go, well, there's no way that can happen. But it's evidently going to happen to somebody. Um, And you will be hated by all on account of my name. 
but it is the one who has endured to the end who will be saved. But whenever they persecute you in in this city, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you shall not finish going through the cities of Israel until the Son of Man comes. It's, it's, yeah, I see a very anxious time, a time of, we got to get it done. We got to, I mean, just almost a nervousness to try to get to these people, to to share the gospel, to share the good news, to, to tell them about God. And he said, we're not even going to get finished before he comes. It's, it's a, I don't know. I sense it. I, I, I sense a heaviness in my spirit that these things are going to start rolling. And, and I guess that's why I get so frustrated with myself, not not falling into the category that I should be because I want to be ready, you know. But then I have to have a calmness as well, knowing that God will make me ready. But in the same note, I don't want to play church anymore. I want to get in there and do his bidding. And I I think by playing church you mean, because you've said that a lot, but I think by playing church you mean kind of like the checking out the box. Exactly. Like not necessarily going to church, but just the idea of, I went to church. And and, and these things accompany me. I mean, we have sick people in our family and and all around us that, that we should have the authority of Christ. We should be so full of the Spirit, we can just lay hands on Like it says, they will lay hands on the, the sick and they will be healed. We need to be that people. I, we are. And, and that's, and that's, we, you know, we lay hands on her and look at, look how good yep. she is. But, but, you know, I mean, I don't think it's going to be that instantaneous right. kind of thing. It's going to be a played out thing. But we can't be discouraged when, when, if it doesn't, if right. it doesn't exactly, if that's, and that's and that's and that's where I think it's got to be where we pray. And Jesus spoke about how to how to how to pray the disciples' prayer is your will be right. done. Your but we done. we would love for this to happen, but we know ultimately your will be done. But, but there is there is a and and there is there is that transformation from old Adam to new Adam, where I believe we will we will walk by the person and silver and gold, I don't have it. What I do have, I give you. Boom. And that, and I, I guess that's that's what I'm at. Because we don't see it like Jesus, we don't, we don't see those things. We excuse ourselves of having those things happen. We, we give it to the apostles that were with Jesus, and we 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 use every excuse in the book not to be like them because they were called by by Jesus Christ as the apostles, you know. Then, but then here comes Paul, you know. Lord meets him on Damascus. He wasn't one of the twelve. Timothy's the. I, I mean, the whole New Testament is full of people who moved in the power of God. But like I said, they were. They were in a, in a world where they didn't have anything. They were directly persecuted all the time. They had no choice but to run to God. And, and he met them. 
I want to be the people that runs to God and he meets us without the threat of it. Not not that I worry about the threat. I mean, I'll welcome it. If, 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 it, if it means I was martyred for Christ, right on. But I want to be that people before that happens. That's what I'm getting at. Go back to when we first started this. That's why I tell you, don't tell yourself, don't beat yourself up too much, because you very well could be doing this in the capacity of, of somebody inside that jail that knows you, that hears you speak these things. You you're planting these seeds inside of them that you might never ever see the fruit. You might. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, and, and it's happened to me yeah. over the over the years uh, in there, lots never, of times. Yeah, you know. So. Don't don't think of yourself right now as I'm not doing what I feel like I should be doing because I think you are. I think you're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing right now at this point. I know we all want to do more. We all want, and that, that's where I think it comes back to that kind of old Adam inside of us that's still that's still there. Well, and I, I, I mean that's why we're we're hanging out here is is. There, there's more than our just our everyday life. That's why you're here. You're not here just because I'm your uncle or whatever. I, I, th- I think there's more in your heart to that than being here. And uh, <laughs> couple more verses. He says in thirty verse thirty four, "Do not think I came to bring peace on the earth." I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. And isn't, I don't mean to interrupt, but isn't that funny how I did not come to bring peace, but sword? But in John three six, three, John three sixteen, it's actually John three seventeen. Jesus says, or God says, um, I sent my only Son not to condemn the world, but to save the world. Mm-hmm. And here He says, Yeah, but but no, no, no. I've got to read eighteen, seventeen, and eighteen. You know what the sword is? The sword, they use these words back in antiquity. The sword is like a, it's a penetrating blow to you. This is basically his word that gets into your heart. It's something that comes out of him that goes deep inside of you. And it's a two-edged sword and it does two things. It it saves and condemns. John John 3.16, for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Whoever believes in him. For God did not send the son into the world to judge the world, but that the world should be saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe in him has been judged already. So he did not have to come to judge because if you don't believe in him, you're judged already. (laughs) So he's... the deal with the peace is, hey, it's rock time. I come with this this sword. It's a two-edged sword. It cuts even to the marrow. It lays open everything. You either accept me or you don't. If you don't, you're judged already. And that, that that's God loves us. He wants. I, there's no doubt in my mind. He would. He would. He would wish that everyone would be saved. But the truth of the matter is, he knows they will not. So let's not candy coat it and think they will. Because unless you believe, 
there's there's Paul Washer. He, he he ministered on this, and somebody else did too. A black guy I heard the other day. He said hell is going to be filled, filled with people who did the sinner's prayer. You know, you see it all the time. Then says, if you just even even Billy Graham did it, and and Billy Graham's a man of God. But if you'll just say this this after me. And then they go on and live their life like a heathen and everything else, thinking because they said the sinner's prayer, they're saved from hell. Well, There's a difference between saying the sinner's prayer and believing it. Right, and that's, and it's also, that's what it is. People say the sinner's prayer. They, don't get, they get zero context behind it. Say this prayer and you'll be saved. You say, you say this prayer and then you live your life accordingly. Right. You read this and you right. get and these instructions out of this. Yeah. They, they get the... They get the message and say this prayer with the context of everlasting life right here, right now. But everlasting life is not something that you are given, but it's something you achieve. You're absolutely right. Jesus warned us about false prophets in this. Right. And those are come under the category of false prophets. People that come in, just say this, you're fine. Yeah. Just love everybody, you're fine. Oh, you led a good life, you're fine. That's what, that's you're what not. my law is that to achieve. Mm-hmm. Don't believe if you're, if you're a good person. No. Oh, and yeah. like, that's not the case. There's, there's plenty of good people who don't believe. And, and all these ministers that stand behind that pulpit and, and give you that garbage, they gotta, they're going to take to account that blood is going to be on them. And it says in here they will be judged even more than anyone else right. because they took up that position. So there, there's, there's, there's a lot. There's do, a lot in this do our new believers understand why we are not a religion based on works? Do, do they get? Do you guys know what? Not to put you on the spot, but do you guys know why we're not a religion based on works? Or why God said it works. It's, you, can, you cannot earn your way into heaven. You cannot earn your way into heaven. And the reason why, because I know that um, Mormons, I think there's all about works, right? Okay. Catholicism, a lot yeah. of it is about works. It's not all mm-hmm. about works. It's I feel works. Like it's a lot about works. It's a lot about works, but it's also a lot of to do with the Book of Mormon and Joseph Smith. I feel it's, like it's, it's a false prophet. That goes back it's to not all. Well, anyway, yeah, the, reason, but it is a lot. the reason why is this, we cannot earn what Jesus gave us, what Jesus did for us. We cannot earn that. There's nothing on this planet that we could do for Jesus' blood. Nothing. So, and, and plus it's just in competition with each other. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, oh, Bill did that, well, now I have to do this. Oh, well, crap, Melinda did that, well, now I have to do that. We would be in competition with each other, and we, we would never focus on Christ. We always focus on who's doing the better deed. Or purpose. Think of this in this way. We're all up in heaven, and I see Stephen, and I say, wait a minute. How did you get here? I, I did better than he did. Right. Come on. I, which is, Stephen never went to church. Or Stephen, and, you know, that, that's, that's why there's no, there's none of that, you know, that's why so, it can't be of work. So should we do good? Absolutely. There'd be no boasting. And should we get, give to other people, and should we treat other people kindly? Absolutely. But that's not what's kitchen in heaven. Well, but but if you know God, you, you will do that. Yeah. That's what it comes to. Exactly well, right. and, and, and the bottom line is, there are a lot of people who have a lot of willpower. And they live their life. As you look at them, hey, man, they did it right. But But even if they don't pat themselves on the back, they're not that kind of person, deep inside... It's I accomplished this. Mm-hmm. And the bottom line is, you cannot do anything, anything righteously to any level without 
Christ Jesus. Jesus he is the one that he is the one that does even even and, and it's, it's it's weird. It's almost like a paradox. His willpower is different than your willpower. I don't know how else to say it, but it's he he will give you he will give you the the kind of will it takes not to do that situation, not yourself. If you do it in yourself, I guarantee you, you can hide it, you can whitewash it, and make it look good to everybody, maybe even your whole life. But most of the time, not even your whole life. You'll be putting your thumb on that thing, and one day it's going to explode for everybody to see. And everybody's going to know you were full of crap, and it wasn't Christ ever. It was you doing it. And Jesus says in here, our righteousness, our works, our thoughts of, of I did this, I do that, I'm this, I'm that. That righteousness is of filthy rags to him. And the old translation, the real translation of filthy rags was menstrual rags. So everything you think you do and you're so good at, and I'm this, I'm that, to Jesus, it's like this disgusting piece of, of rags sitting there. So everything... Everything we do and we think we're good at that we can get into earth is just disgusting to him. It has to be through him, not through us. It's, it's, you know, it's I, have, I have even, and again, it can only like, sounds like I'm patting myself on the back, but I'm really not. But even, even things that I have accomplished, that I've done well in the secular world, as soon as it goes my way, I instantly thank God for it because I knew I'd have screwed it up. Right. I, I just, I just it, it, it's almost like I'm cheating. That, that's what I, I, I look at my fellow worker or whatever. I'm going, dude, you don't have a chance because it's not me making me do this. It's God blessing me, man. You, unless you get into this groove that I'm in, you don't stand a chance. And, and Paul reminds <laughs> us to pray about everything. Amazing when you get those feelings, huh? It, 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 it is. It's like I don't want to do the same thing, but it's it's, it's an amazing feeling of, of of growth, really. Of growth as a you know, it's like when you when you know you're kind of okay, man. I'm I'm a man. I need to go tell my dad. I'm sorry for a lot of things. I call that the popping sound. This even this week they had me they had me in Delta Mod for for oh, for the first two days, which is bad guy area and anyway and I'm the only mod in the whole jail which means I got to run to every code I got a half broken foot and we got this freak Brian Smith in in medical that has to be dealt with every half hour so I dealt with that for two straight days I got reports like crazy so I was just I just wore out oh man come on man oh well lord whatever I get there in, in uh Bryant says, she, she comes in and says, Warren, I hate to do this, but I need to stick you. And I had you in Delta Mod, but we had four call-in sick. I need to stick you in Golf 4. I said, okay. <laughs> and I went in there and uh, locked down. I had some smart, smell like pump. I, t- I had him pack his crap, sent him to Bravo 3, 
and then you could hear a pin drop the rest of the night. It was the easiest shift I ever had. And I just, I sat back about 10 o'clock. I said, thanks, God. This is yeah. cool. <laughs> you know, and you so, went into the whole thing thinking, oh, man, no, no. Well, they just, they, that, that particular ward, it's a tower. They're usually easier wards, but a lot of times the deputies let them go crazy over there. So then they build the crap up. Just a week before that, they almost had a riot in there. So it was, so, so I'm going in there thinking, oh, I'm going to have to straighten dudes out all night long. This is going to be a fight. I had one dude. I set an example. It was cruising the rest of the night. And I think it's important, and I think that they've already done that, but I think it's important that Billy suffered for several days in tremendous pain. And I'm sure he's thinking, won't this pain just go away? Just let this pain, please God, let the pain go away. Please God, let the pain, I just want the pain to go away. This is ridiculous. But yet, in the end, God said, I can't let the pain go away because we've got to find this other issue. Talk about, wow. That's a thank you, God, for not letting the pain go away. Thank you for letting me be miserable for a couple days. Thank you for for making it so bad that I have to go to the hospital. I think when we when we have those trials in our lives that we think are God, why God, why are you doing this to me? This is miserable, God. Why, how, you know, f this, that, whatever. You know, it's like instead of doing that, we need to go. Okay, God, why am I going through it? What are you trying to show me? What am I going to get out of it? And, and then help me get there. You know, help me help me deal with the pain until I get there. Help me deal with the sadness until I get there. Help me deal with the the empty bank account until I get there. Help me deal with it until I get there. Don't be angry. Don't be bitter. Don't be and, and he's, and he's so and he is and he's so layered too. That's the initial thing is if he wouldn't have had that happen, they would have never found this. Right. Blah blah blah. And then the 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 other thing, probably the most important thing out of all this, it's had him probably say, Who? Okay, it's time for me to get my crap together, Lord. And start pressing into you a little right. bit. That's him knocking that's at right. his door. That's right. That's, that's, he, and that's God saying, "Okay, Billy, as leader of your family, this is where you're at. I need you now to lead your family. This is. I, I don't. Please don't make me have to get you up and have a two by four another way." Well, every every time God's tried to get my attention, it's going with a two by four. Right. And, 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 uh, and, that, and that's what and that's what this. So that's that's the thing. And and I don't necessarily think it was. Hey, you need to start pressing in a little bit more. Because a lot of people, I don't talk about what I do at home. I don't talk about how when I get home from work, I, I read the Bible. I don't talk about that stuff. It's nobody else's business. It's mine. But I think he opened that up, and the minute I found out I had cancer, I was at peace with it. I haven't been upset or anything about it. I've joked around about it. It is what it is. But that's not – typically, I'd probably be scared, you know. But I don't care. It's not in my hands. I gave it all to him. We're good. So I don't necessarily think everything is a, a, a kick in the ass, if you will. It's, hey, I wanted you to get in there and find that portion. And I think, honestly, it could be more of a gift at that point. He said, hey, you, you know, you've been, you've been stepping up. I'm going to show you that this is this is screwed over, and I'm going to take care of you. Well, well and, then, and 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 he also he also has has you shift gears a lot of times with your walk with God. You're at you're a certain level, and he's he's wanting to require more from you. He wants you he wants you to hey uh, 
you're, you're a soldier here. I need you to be in this area now. And this is part of your testimony. Oh, absolutely. This is all part of your testimony to share with someone else that, hey, man. <laughs> and my, my mom went to the eye doctor this week, and they were trying to schedule another appointment. She goes, now nah, I've got to be in Colorado. My grandson got this cancer thing. They're going to do surgery. And, and the lady said, well, what, what was the deal? So she told my mom told her the pancreatitis thing, and she was sitting in a chair looking at a chart, and, and the, the eye doctor turns around and you say, well, you think God might have had something to do with that? You know, this doctor, and then you, how often do they say stuff like that, you know? So that so that was pretty cool. But I thought that Billy looked at it kind of differently than I just did. I looked at it as here's your two by four, get closer to God. But Billy actually said, But maybe I am actually doing what God wants me to do. And so God is blessing me by saying, Hey, I'll let you live a little longer then. So let's go and catch this cancer. You know? mm-hmm. I think that's a really cool way to look at it. Now come Tuesday he could change his mind. But we'll see. <laughs> I, don't <think so. laughs> I don't think so. Before we leave here, you know, I, I, we all pray for Billy and then Tuesday at 11 o'clock. I go in at 9. But at 11 o'clock, and 11 supposedly so if you guys don't mind, put it in your calendar, put it in your, your phone or whatever. At 11 o'clock, let your alarm go off and let's pray. So, well, I know let's pray for the doctors. It's supposed to be at least three hours. Dang it. Will they hold you overnight? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, but they're just taking some of your kidneys. A third of mine. They're my... not touching anything else. Nope, as of right now, no. Excellent. But you've given them permission to do whatever they need to do while they're in here, yeah. or you will. Like if they find else yeah, I've already signed it over. <clears throat> All right, one one final thing. Let's take this week and uh, turn it over to God. We'll we'll pray we'll pray we'll pray for Him over that too. But let's do something unorthodox. I'll be fasting on Tuesday. <laughs> 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 I know I, I I know we we read about we read about fasting and prayer and and most of the time that I have done it it's been for personal reasons never for to get the will of God. So I propose if if you feel like you're led and you you want to participate in that give me a day. If not it's no big deal. Tuesday. Okay, somebody's going to do Tuesday. I don't want them to just do one day. Oh, let's do it. Uh, well, let's all do Tuesday. Between 11 and, and 3. I would like to know the elements of no fasting. No starving. <laughs> <laughs> fasting, fasting is, excuse me, some people fast all food all day. But fasting, the idea of fasting is you give up something that you love, that you cherish, and while you long for that, you pray in a fast. And you're going to pray for building a So, for, like, honestly, for me, if I were to truly fast on Tuesday, I know it sounds stupid, I'd give up my morning coffee. Because morning morning. my morning coffee lasts me for two and a half hours into my school day. And that is my, that is my, plus it, it prevents me from being a headache. And it's, and it's not one of those things, it, it, it's not written in stone. When I, when I fast, I give up food, I just drink water. Right. Uh, other times I've done it, I've, I've eaten, like, crackers or something like that, you know. I think with your walk with Christ, you fast and change it. It, it does. It, it, it does. And you end up fasting different things. Or, or like you're able to fast go with no food. or uh, But fasting is just you give something up, and while you're missing it, you stop and you pray. That's the whole point of fasting is the prayer and the being with God. So does that make sense? So we we got some people wanting to go Tuesday. I'll go, I'll go Sunday and Monday. I'll do Friday. What do you fast? 
No. I go out for beer on Friday, but I'll do nicotine. <clears throat> you'll, you'll pass nicotine on Friday? But then that means, honey, that every time you want it, you pray. I understand. Now, and I want, the, I want the prayer to be, God, show up more in our lives. Let us be doing things for the common good. Show us, show us what your will is for the kingdom. Let's focus on that. And that giving up the nicotine is huge because you'll see that if you if you genuinely are praying, if you're genuinely praying and, and praying the things that Bill said, then that urge for nicotine will go away. Okay. And that's okay. a good. If you get that feeling, it'll lead. Yep. To next time you fast or something, you're like, wow, oh, okay. Well, so you might be able to. You're biting your fingernails, Cass. What? You're biting your fingernails. You're so fast. I bite my fingernails. Great. I really don't need to pray about tonight if I interest in imagination. But I know that Joey's struggling um, with just where God wants him right now. I believe God has him exactly where he wants him. I think Joey's struggling. Being a police officer, as you guys all know, is a scary job. It is a scary job. And it is. In this day and age, a thankless job. And but I don't think it has anything to do with being a police officer. I think it has everything to do with my mental capacity, I don't think, is where it should be in order to go to that. But now you've already gone through more than half of it. I know, and the testing polls came out on number 11. And then <laughs> but it's humble brag. He's not there. I was saying it's like they want us to remember so much and have us do stuff a certain way and we do it this way and that way and it's not doing it this way is what the state requires but it's not actually how it's done in the field and doing it this way the state requires we'll get killed or hurt in the field and there's just a lot of things that I don't this doesn't make sense and I don't mesh in my head and I, it's, it's really struggling there will be a day when it all when you say, oh. And, and you know, it's going to happen after you're out of the account. Right. Yeah, that's when it happens. Then I feel like as soon as I'm on PTO, I mean, it's going to be a dumpster fire for the first couple of weeks. It is. Yeah. That's, that's what it is. <laughs> it is. <laughs> that's what it is. They, they, they sent me, I did four weeks on the floor right. at CJC, which is nothing. I didn't finish my DTO training. Went to the courthouse for five years. They sent me back. To the to CJC right. and they're supposed to give you training. Mm -hmm. They they put me in Bravo Four the first week. Oh, Bravo Four. Bravo Four is is <laughs> is the worst ward in the whole jail. It's where every crazy freak is, and you have it's a special management ward. So you have you have uh, ops logs and all these kind of things. Ops logs. There's 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 tons of this stuff. I had no clue. I'm I'm on the phone. They got me in there. I'm on the phone. I said, Brian, where's Opslog? Then I call back, Brian, how do you do an Opslog? And then, and then the whole time they're knocking on the window, I got medical coming in. I got food I'm serving. I got all this crap going on. And I didn't have a clue. They just threw me to the wolves, man. But the point is, every day, remember you're going through your 10 minutes. Get you to those 10 minutes. And then. Okay. John 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being by Him, and apart from Him nothing 
came into being that has come into being. And, and in him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. The, the darkness is, is Satan himself. And in the beginning, he, did, he didn't comprehend it. He still doesn't comprehend it because he was a liar from the beginning. And the Lord says, the truth will set you free. So he still, he still doesn't get it, but he does understand it to some degree. And he does understand that for whatever reason, everything that happens is through the spoken word of God. So his main intent is to disrupt that in some way. And that's where we as Christians really don't get it. We read it, but we don't get it. For the most part. If we did, we would, just like we talked about last week in Mark, the signs would accompany us. And it would be the norm instead of the rarity. Um, We will get it. It's just going to take somebody to grab a hold of it in this in this generation. It is way more. It, it, it's so simple, but yet it's not. Our spoken word, unless it is piggybacked with Christ, it doesn't carry the power of Christ, and that's. And that's what I want to get into a little bit with, with, with the Word. We read the, I have read it cover to cover. The time I read it cover to cover, that was my goal, was to read it cover to cover. How much did I get out of it, do you think, when I read it that time cover to cover? Not much. Not much. <laughs> because I just read it to read it. Yeah, there are so many symbolisms in in the Old Testament. For for instance, one of the why do you think one of the reasons why they chose some animals as clean and some animals as unclean? For one reason, what's a criteria for a clean animal in the Old Testament? Split hoof. Split hoof, and it had to chew the cud. Mm-hmm. Well, that all that means is regurgitate, chew it, swallow it again. There you go. What do you think that was an idiom Symbol, of? Yeah, symbolism for us to... For oh, this word, right? Word, we chew on it. Right. We, we don't read it cover to cover. We read it and then we meditate. We, we bring it back up. And that's what makes it alive. That's, that's when it becomes powerful. You can have a minister who's been to seminary, knows it cover to cover, and has been taught how to do a what I call a canned sermon, say on salvation. And if he has got into the groove of just going through the ritual, 
every Sunday just to give one of those sermons that he's been taught to give in seminary. He can get up and do a very eloquent job of that. But if Christ isn't in it, I mean, just he could very well happens, and it happens all the time. A minister will get up and preach something, just put it together with his PowerPoint, did a very good job, but he gets up and just reads it, basically. And there's no response from the congregation. Some man that, that just had a meeting with God, a personal meeting that has just changed his whole life, could get up and read his PowerPoint after being in the presence of God and have that life-changing experience, and I guarantee you he would move the people. Because piggybacked in his word has been the attachment of the presence of God. You know, you can, you can put on, and, and I do this sometimes, I'll put on when I go to sleep sometimes, somebody just reading scripture. But it's some actor paid to, to recite that. And very often, it's, it's better than listening to garbage without, without any doubt. But most of the time, I can't tell you what, it, what even passage they even read. But I know a man of God would read it that's been in the presence of God, and I would be moved by it. Spoken word isn't just spoken word when it comes to Christ. Christ is the Word. That's what John said. He was, he was the creativity part of God. The spoken Word of God created the universe. That spoken Word of God that created the universe became man and dwelt among us. Now there again, typical Adamic nature. How many people do we know in Christianity who still see Jesus hanging on the cross? Paul says, we knew him once in the flesh, but we know him that way no more. He is a resurrected, changed thing. He, he is deity. He's, he, he, he was here for 33 years, and that was it. I think 33. No, 30. Was it 30? 30. Was he 30 years? 33. Was he 33? Yeah. Three years. Yeah, 30, Was it 33? Oh, he started his ministry at 30, right? So, yeah, 33. It's, we, we have to, and, and that's the key to all this that, that God has given us is the Word. And that's, what, that's why the, the Satan wars against it. That's why we're not moving in miracles and doing those kind of things because we're not pursuing this like we should. And I'm not talking about just reading the Word. I'm talking about how we pray. The whole nine has to be attached with the living Word of God before it to be powerful. Now, again, even Jesus says, no one knows the exact time of the end time. Jesus says, only the Father knows. I believe, like I, we've talked about before, God doesn't live in time. When He decides it's time for the end time, 
it may be somewhere on our timeline. It will be somewhere on our timeline. But to him, that doesn't exist. He is waiting for someone to appropriate the end time. He's waiting for a generation to grab a hold of it. See? The war is over the war is over the word. The, the darkness the darkness has tried to put dark on the light and it ain't gonna happen. <laughs> what, did you need to reset it or something? We're on the shelf. Oh, I see it. Okay. And keep it by you. Click right above. Yeah, it'll, it'll uh, cover. There we are. Keep it. There, there is. He, he is waiting for, for somebody to, like that, like that parable says, I don't need no stinking lie. <laughs> what is wrong with that? <laughs> it's wrong with to be smarter than the remote. <laughs> that I'm not. That's Somebody, uh, while I finish talking here, somebody go to Jeremiah fifteen sixteen. There have been a few men of God over the centuries who've got a hold of this thing and really run with it. Jeremiah's one of them. Somebody read Jeremiah fifteen sixteen. When your words came, I ate them. They were not my joy. They were my joy, excuse me. They were my heart's delight, for I bear your name, O Lord God Almighty. I mean, isn't that odd to say it that way? Um, Ezekiel, somebody go to Ezekiel 3, 1 through 3. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. This is the one I'm hitting with. Ezekiel 3, is it? Yeah, Ezekiel 3, 1 through 3. Don't make Sean read it all. Then he said to me, Son of man, eat what you find, eat this scroll, and go. Speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he fed me this scroll. He said to me, Son of man, feed your stomach and fill your body with this scroll, which I am giving to you. Then I ate, then I ate it, and it was sweet as honey. Okay, uh, Revelation, one more. Revelation, uh, where the heck was it at? Oh, it's the white horse. Is that, is that 19? I can't remember the white horse. Somebody help me find it. You're gonna burn the house down here. It's talking about the the white horse. Ah, where was it? I thought it was towards the, towards the end. Try it. What does it say? And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and wages war. Keep going. His eyes are a flame, are a flame of fire, and on his head are many 
Diadems. Diadems. Crowns. Kind of. And he has names written on him, which no one knows except himself. He is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. There we go. There's, with these two prophets and, and this right here, Lord's indicating that the Word is more than just a word. It's got substance to it. And and what did the what did the Lord say to uh, say to Satan when he said when he was hungry during his temptation? He said, "You, if you're God, turn these stones into bread." And what was his response? Man does not live by bread alone. Doesn't live by bread alone, but but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. This isn't just symbolism. There's substance to this. God spoke the universe into existence out of nothing. And He has given us His authority. The, The centurion was not an Israelite. And He says, Sir, was it His servant? Heal my servant. Mm-hmm. He says, well, I'll go with you right now. He goes, no, 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 no. I'm not fit to have you under my roof. But I understand authority. Just speak the word. That blew the Lord's mind. He says, I haven't seen faith like that in all Israel. So, so this guy had a handle on it. And his servant was healed at that very moment he spoke the word. Um, Joshua 1.8 Now, if this is one of those that you need to... Uh, Read and read Josh, Joshua and, and just really assimilate his life. I mean, anytime Moses went into the presence of God, Joshua was there. He was just hanging out. And when uh, when he took over command, he understood the word of God. He had heard it, he understood it, and he lived by it. Someone read Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. Here's the Lord's talking to Joshua. He's getting ready to go into Canaan, the land of the giants. Except they were never looked at as giants by Joshua. When Moses sent out the original 12 spies, 10 of them came back and said, we're grasshoppers in their eyes. Or, and they, Joshua came and go, what the heck are you talking about, man? Where have you been? This is for the taking. They had a whole different perspective because they were living with the word of God. And what, what does God instruct them? He's getting ready to go fight 39 different nations in Canaan. 
bad people. There's total destruction. He annihilates them all. He's not talking to God about strategy. He's not talking about God, how he should assemble his army. God is telling him, just put the law and meditate on it. I'll take care of the rest. That's, doesn't that seem a little odd? You're getting ready to go into a land and you're going you're gonna to go over, overthrow 39 different nations. And God's telling you, meditate on the word. There's power in that. And what did they do? Their first, their first thing that they did was Jericho. They didn't say a word. They just marched around it seven days. I think seven days. Seven days? I think you're right. Seven days. And they released the word of God. The word of God was, Whoa, whatever they were saying. And the walls fell flat down and they walked in. If I'm not mistaken, he never commanded them to go look to spy out the lands anyways. No, he, he didn't. commanded yep. them, go and take these lands. Yep, he did not and mess they around. spied and they came back saying, oh, they're too big for us. Same guy was running out of daylight. He spoke a word and the sun stood. You know what they have? Astro, astrama is, how do you say it? Astro, astronomy. In astronomy, they, I think they have proved that the sun stood still for I forget how many hours in a certain time in astrology. And Joshua did that. He spoke to the sun to stand still so they could win that battle. A spoken word. That wasn't Joshua's word. Yes, he spoke it, but it, was, it had the presence of God piggybacked on it. And it became something different. It was, it was creative and powerful. Uh, Joshua, Simpson, Joshua, Joshua, uh, Joshua 1, 5. What did the Lord say? No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Not one man will stand before you. This was, this was a man of God who understood the law. The Lord's telling him to meditate on it. Don't change anything you've been doing this last 40 years. Keep doing what you're doing. No one will stand. No one did. 39 fell. 39 nations. Um, oh, yeah, there it was. That was night. Did we read Revelation 1911? Yes. That's what it was, right? Yep, I, I found it on my notes on down here now. Uh, something else you'll find when that word is really piggybacked with the word of God you are really going to ruffle feathers you read about Jeremiah you can read about Jeremiah Jeremiah 38 1-6 he was thrown into a pit the men of Jerusalem didn't like what he was saying they threw him in a pit um Peter says in, in, in 4.3 that you, that you are to speak oracles of God. That, that's like God's own mouthpiece. That's the way that translates. There was more than just preaching with these guys. As a matter of fact, Paul says, I didn't come with basically fancy sermons, PowerPoints, 
I came with the power of God. I bet if you heard Paul preach, you wouldn't hear anything eloquent out of his mouth. But it was very pointed and directed. And he he made people mad everywhere he went. And you know what? This day and age is going to be the very same. I read an article this week. There was a church publication back in the 80s. I forgot what it, which one it was. They did, a, they did a study in 1980. They sent this questionnaire out to all the prominent denominations of the time. One of the questions was, do you believe in the deity of Jesus Christ? They had, I forget, thousands, 7,000 some ministers respond, and they gave the percentages. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find that, that study and read them to you because it's going to blow your mind. How many, do you, how many of you believe in the deity of Jesus? Those pastors that wrote back, the Lutherans were in the 40 or 50% no. Methodist, same thing. Baptist, the same thing. Another one of the questions was, do you believe in the virgin birth? I think the the averages even went up. That is a perfect picture of nothing but Pharisees right there, folks. It's the same day. It's the same thing, different day. And when we start speaking the truth... Those are the people that we're going to anger. They're the ones who are going to want to eat us for lunch, along with Herod's and everybody else. They're all the same. Jesus said, you're of your father. And those Jews said, what are you talking about? We're direct descendants of Abraham. Jesus' response, you're of your father, the devil. When you are confronted with a true word spoken by a man of God. And that's where you're going to hear this from. Jesus isn't going to show up on the street on his soapbox and preach in this last time. He's preaching through men of God. And those men of God are going to continue to grow and transform into his image. And he also says, and they didn't receive my word, so don't think they're going to receive yours because I'm sending you. Nothing changes. Now, we did read the parables that Jesus talks about in the end days, how the plowman's going to overtake the sower and, and those kind of things. So I believe in this last time, we've kind of, it, it's, it's weird. It's almost like there's a wave that's just pushing on us right now. And we're all up against this wave. But pretty soon, we're going we're gonna to understand it in this last time, and we're going to dive under it. And that big wave is going to come up, and we're going to come on the other side, and we're going to see men of God moving beyond anything we read here. It has to be. To accomplish what the Lord wants to accomplish in, accomplish in this end day, we have to move beyond where they were going to move. Now, there's that other parable. How are we going to look at it? How am I going to... I've basically been leading this Bible study... But what happens when a Ben Jones comes in and God gives him a revelation that just blows me away and is above anything that God's given me? 
How do I respond to that? I've been a Christian for 20-some years. I'm not going to turn this over to this kid who's been a Christian for three months. Am I going to respond like the parable in the vineyard? Where he gave him one denarii at 6 a.m.? And the one that come in just as they were finishing up, he gave him one denarii. Am I going to respond like all the others that started early? And say, what the heck? How come he's making the same amount of money as me? I've been here all day. I look forward to it. It excites me. Because the world, even the church world, looks at it that way. Most of them think you've got to go to seminary. You have to be educated in the Word. They have to tell you what this means. How else could you preach it? When the Lord looked over and saw these two fishermen out here probably cussing because they weren't catching any fish, and He says, follow me. Those ended up being martyred for God. They turned the world upside down. It's the common man that's going to do this. It's the men in this room right here that's going to do that. That are just going to find a way, have the tenacity to actually approach God and say, oh, no, 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 no. You said this. You can't go back on your word. This says you can't go back on your... Can you imagine talking to God like that? Almost sounds sacrilegious, right? Moses did it. Moses said, God said, get out of my way. I'm going to kill your people. They're down there. They made a molten calf. He goes, oh, 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 hold on. No, 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 no. You repent because you're the one who brought them out. We can't have the Egyptians say you brought them out to do evil. Guess what God did? He repented. Moses changed God's mind. We, we look at things so goofy. I mean, we, we have made an image of God in our own mind, and it's not real. He's looking for somebody that, he's looking for somebody to grab a hold of him and wrestle him all freaking night long, and, and says, It's daylight, let me go. And he said, I ain't letting you go till you bless me. Is that sacrilegious? Jacob did it, and he changed his name that very moment to Israel. And you, know, and you know what he made a monument, Jacob did, of that place? I forget the name of it in Hebrew. But it says, I have seen the face of God and lived. That's what he's after. That kind of people. Uh, here I blew it all up again. <laughs> it's, this, is, this has been a rough week. We talked about fasting and stuff last week, and, and I've done that this week. And I, I, I've never really understood fasting to a great degree, except it's something I should do. And what I got out of it this week was, you know, and what was weird is, I never felt physically weak. Physically, I didn't feel weak this week, fasting. Where I felt weak was in my spirit. I felt just beat up all week long. And the Lord kind of finished it up. With, uh, in your weakness, I make you strong. 
So that's what I got out of that. Don't look at each, of, each one of you in this room. Don't ever look at each other ever again in the flesh. We know each other real well. We're all family for the most part. All of us are family. Riley's even family. So we know each of our downfalls and all that. That's that, that's why the that's why the Lord says you're never you're never welcome in your in your own city because they know you they know all your traits they know all those kind of things. God's going to move in each of us, no matter what our weaknesses are. Whatever Stephen's weakness is, that's what the Lord's going to make strong. He's going to make him move in some area that I can't. Because that's what the body ministry is. And it's all going to come from the Word of God. It's going to be this war over this spoken word. When God starts manifesting Him stuff, and we really get into this thing, and we really start speaking the Word of God, prophesying over each other, mountains are going to be moved. Our walk with God is going to exponentially explode. We are going to see these signs that we're talking about in Mark. If I lay my hands on my dad and he doesn't instantly get healed like he should, do I throw in the towel or do I lie about it? No, I just go pray again tomorrow until we get this thing right. That's what we do. Well, once we start getting it right and we start getting that, that feeling of God coursing through our veins, that's when we're going to turn the world upside down. And it's not going to be the norm. It's not going to be what we've seen in church for 2,000 years. It's going to be what we started seeing in the New Testament. We're going to see the Elijahs come forth and say, Ahab, you spoke wrong about God. Now it's not going to rain on you for three and a half years. Deal with that, Bubba, and walk off. And in three and a half years later, you okay? You learn your lesson? All right, let it rain. Word of God. He sent 50 soldiers to kill Elijah three different times. And I think he, he spoke to the Lord and fire came down and consumed them. Every, the third one went out. He was on his knees praying, please don't let God kill us, if I remember the story right. But Elijah knew the Word of God. There was a whirlwind. All kinds of chaos. He's in that cave and he heard he he knew the word of God and he heard the still small voice. Out of all that chaos, he was able to decipher the word of God. That's what we have to strive for. That's what we have to push for is to know the word of God. Don't think he's gonna stand on the corner. I'm not saying he won't. Cause as soon as I say that, he'll be out here. What do you tell him that for? <laughs> And then I'll be on my face, shaking on the ground. But for the most part, he's not going to work like that. He's going to work through the brothers. And I will recognize Christ in Steve when he prophesies. I'll recognize him in Melissa. I'll recognize him in Melinda, Billy, whoever. That's the way this thing's going to be. As a matter of fact, I've asked Billy if he will uh, lead Bible study next week. Because it's time other people start getting involved in this thing. And start... That's 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 how you get to know him. You take on the responsibility of the kingdom. And I don't care if you if he's ever done it before or not. Another time it's going to be somebody else. Sean's going to bring the word pretty soon. I haven't asked him to do it because I look at him as the elder in this thing. 
So we're going to get these young pups involved, get them moving and shaking, because that's what God wants. That's, she's wanting to make disciples. And when you start going down that road, and you start taking on that responsibility, and, let, and, and instead of letting somebody else feed you, you start eating that scroll. You start assimilating, and you start bringing it back up and, and really focusing on it, because now... You're carrying the responsibility for your brothers and sisters because you, you're going to bring them some food. It's it's equal opportunity in the kingdom. <laughs> that reminds me of some scripture in Isaiah. Isaiah forty two sixteen says, "I will lead the blind by the ways they have not known. Along unfamiliar paths, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness into light before them. I will make rough places smooth." What he's saying there, he's not talking about just leading blind people to where they hit. He's talking about us, about kind of what, you, what your dad's saying is, I'm not ready for this. Well, if you if you dive into this a bit more and pray about next week leading this, that's what he's going to, he's going to lead you. He's going to lead, he's, you're going to be speaking things that you're, like I told you that one time, when you pray to the Holy Spirit, you'll be speaking things that you don't even realize. You're like, oh my goodness, that's coming from me. That's pretty amazing. So it's all about just focus on Him and focus on the uh, Holy Spirit. Have Him guide you. Look, look for the words from Him. I, I, I love this passage. And the whole time Bill was talking, it kept reminding me of this. That He's going to lead the blind, which is me, by the ways that I've never even known. You know, and I'm being led almost every day by this. So it's, it's pretty amazing. It. It, it it's it's not Harry Potter, guys. It's gonna happen. Yeah. It is gonna happen. These things, what we call supernatural or natural in this in God's realm. It's it's nothing super for him. We look at it as super because it breaks every physical law that we know and that we observe. I mean, how can someone speak to someone and they're immediately healed? The the, the Lord didn't even Half the time, he didn't even say it like that. He, he'd look at him and say, take up your bed and walk. Mm-hmm. Now, th- now think of that. Somebody's been paralyzed for 20-some years. Paralyzed. Can't walk. And somebody tells you, take up your bed. There had to be something in that word to give that man the faith to just stand up after laying down for 20-some years. I mean, most people would would want to go. Well, I, am I feeling anything? I, you know, I got. They jumped up and was leaping, and joined and praising God. So that spoken word, when he said, "Take up your bed," had something in it that grabbed a hold of him and moved his thinking beyond normal. Any normal person, been bedridden for thirty years, twenty years, wouldn't automatically just jump up. That's awesome. And he did that often. And, and, and then he would do other things that, that were just, you're going, what? Spit in the mud, rubbed it on his eye, told him to go wash. He's, he's got to stumble through the city. He's blind. Go find the pool of Shalom. I didn't know how far it was. But there had to be, yeah, he had never seen it. So, so you just... There's something attached with that, that that gives you faith. You know, uh, one of the disciples said, "Help my help help my 
little faith or help my unbelief or whatever it was. That's what God does. We worry about having faith. That's an imparted gift with everything else. When he speaks that word or when a brother speaks that word and it's from God, he can impart that faith to you at the same time. You know, people, people say, well, he didn't have faith. That's why he wasn't healed. No, there wasn't a spoken word of God that was spoken to him. If there was a real spoken word of God, that would have activated the faith within him and he would have been healed just like Jesus did it, just like Apostle Paul did it, just like Elisha and Elijah did it. They all did it. I, I have prayed over people a million times to be healed and none of them have been healed. But by God, there is going to be a day that it's going to happen. I'm not going to stop till it does. And when it does, it's going to be leaping and joy. And then I can say, that's what God does. This other stuff that didn't happen, that was me. This was God. And it's obvious. And those kind of things are what's going to bring people into the kingdom. That's what brought it. That's what, what, what had a, a big following then. Now, I understand after a while, Jesus is doing all these miracles. They were following to get what they could get. I understand that. But there still was a remnant that got the real part of it. But... They, were, they noticed it because of what Christ was doing. They noticed it because of what the apostles were doing. Upsetting whole synagogues. They knew the whole Sanhedrin was after them to kill them. They knew that these guys were the real deal. And it's going to be that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God says they're going to hate you because they hated me. So get ready for it. When you really start speaking the, the, the Word of God that's got the, the power and the DNA of God attached to it, you're going to freak Satan out because he knows once you get a hold of that little secret and you start passing God's DNA out of your voice, your mouthpiece is like him speaking it. He's only got so many demons, so many devils. And, he, and think about it, guys. You, you know, the devil's good. And for any of us to think that we can outmaneuver him, you are a fool. The only way that will ever happen is with the wisdom of God, with Christ. That's the only way it happens. That's why it's got to be a true spoken word of God. If it's out of you, he's going to smoke you every single time. But the caveat to that is he's got so many fallen angels, so many demons, whatever those are, attached to his little charade but he is not God. He is not omnipresent. He's not omniscient. They're all liars. They're all scoundrels. So they're all in it for themselves. So they're not all, you know, he doesn't know everything they're doing all the time. It, it's pretty easy if you work out the wisdom of God to go ahead and defeat this and his foe in the end time. All we got to do is stay in it. And there's only a limited amount we start casting out demons, pretty soon there's not going to be any more to cast out. And he says, when he comes back, there's one foe left. One foe left. All of the other enemies are made his footstool. That's what the Bible says. He's not coming back till they've made all of his enemies a, 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 a footstool under his feet except one. And we get to watch him grab that one. That's going to be cool. Amen. Amen. That's it. Amen. <laughs> Anybody else got anything? Questions? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think we need to take uh, 
that guy way down there and bring him up here and let it be. Let it get the, the whole... Pray for him? Yes. All right. You just got out of surgery. You need that. You need some. You need some relief for that anyway. And we're going to bless you to bring the word next week. How's that? Okay. John one. One through five. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being by Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. And and in Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. The the darkness is, is Satan himself. And in the beginning, he he didn't comprehend it. He still doesn't comprehend it because he was a liar from the beginning. And the Lord says, the truth will set you free. So he still... He still doesn't get it, but he does understand it to some degree. And he does understand that for whatever reason, everything that happens is through the spoken word of God. So his main intent is to disrupt that in some way. And that's where we as Christians really don't get it. We read it, but we don't get it. For the most part. If we did, we would, just like we talked about last week in Mark, the signs would accompany us. And it would be the norm instead of the rarity. Um, We will get it. It's just going to take somebody to grab a hold of it in this in this generation. It is way more. It, it, it's so simple, but yet it's not. Our spoken word, unless it is piggybacked with Christ, it doesn't carry the power of Christ, and that's. And that's what I want to get into a little bit with, with, with the word. We read the, I have read it cover to cover. The time I read it cover to cover, that was my goal, was to read it cover to cover. How much did I get out of it, do you think, when I read it that time cover to cover? Not much. Not much. <laughs> because I just read it to read it. Yeah, there are so many symbolisms in in the Old Testament. For for instance, one of the why do you think one of the reasons why they chose some animals as clean and some animals as unclean? For one reason, what's a criteria for a clean animal in the Old Testament? Split hoof. Split hoof, and it had to chew the cud. 
Well, that all that means is regurgitate and chew it and swallow it again. There you go. What do you think that was an idiom Symbol, of? Yeah, symbolism for us to... For oh, this word, right? Word, we chew on it. Right. We, we don't read it cover to cover. We read it and then we meditate. We, we bring it back up. And that's what makes it alive. That's, that's when it becomes powerful. You can have a minister who's been to seminary, knows it cover to cover, and has been taught how to do a, what I call a canned sermon, say on salvation. And if he has got into the groove of just going through the ritual every Sunday just to give one of those sermons that he's been taught to give in seminary, he can get up and do a very eloquent job of that. But if Christ isn't in it, I mean, just he could very well happens, and it happens all the time. A minister will get up and preach something, just put it together with his PowerPoint, did a very good job, but he gets up and just reads it, basically. And there's no response from the congregation. Some man that, that just had a meeting with God, a personal meeting that has just changed his whole life, could get up and read his PowerPoint after being in the presence of God and have that life-changing experience, and I guarantee you he would move the people. Because piggybacked in his word has been the attachment of the presence of God. You know, you can, you can put on, and, and I do this sometimes, I'll put on when I go to sleep sometimes, somebody just reading scripture. But it's some actor paid to, to recite that. And very often, it's, it's better than listening to garbage without, without any doubt. But most of the time, I can't tell you what, it, what even passage they even read. But I know a man of God would read it that's been in the presence of God, and I would be moved by it. Spoken word isn't just spoken word when it comes to Christ. Christ is the word. That's what John said. He was, he was the creativity part of God. The spoken word of God created the universe. That spoken word of God that created the universe became man and dwelt among us. Now there again, typical... Adamic nature. How many people do we know in Christianity who still see Jesus hanging on the cross? Paul says, we knew him once in the flesh, but we know him that way no more. He is a resurrected, changed thing. He, he is deity. He's, he, he, he was here for 33 years and that was it. I think 33, no 30. Was it 30? 30. Was he 30 years? 33. Was he 33? Yeah. Three years, yeah, 30, was it 33? Oh, he started his ministry at 30, right? So, yeah, 33. It's, we, we have to, and, and that's the key to all this that, that God has given us is the Word. And that's, what, that's why the, the Satan wars against it. That's why we're not moving in miracles and doing those kind of things because we're not pursuing this like we should.
And I'm not talking about just reading the word. I'm talking about how we pray. The whole nine has to be attached with the living word of God before it to be powerful. Now, again, even Jesus says, no one knows the exact time of the end time. Jesus says, only the Father knows. I believe, like we've talked about before, God doesn't live in time. When he decides it's time for the end time, it may be somewhere on our timeline. It will be somewhere on our timeline. But to him, that doesn't exist. He is waiting for someone to appropriate the end time. He's waiting for a generation to grab a hold of it. See? The war He's is over. The war is over the word. The, the darkness, the darkness is trying to put dark on the light and it ain't gonna happen. <laughs> what, did you need to reset it or something? Right behind you. This uh We're on the shelf. Oh I see it. Okay. And keep it by you. Click right above. Yeah, it'll it'll uh, There we are. There, there is. He, he is waiting for for somebody to, like that, like that parable says. I don't need no stinking lie. <laughs> what is wrong with that? It's wrong. to be smarter than the remote. <laughs> that I'm not. That's just on off. Somebody, uh, while I finish talking here, somebody go to Jeremiah fifteen sixteen. There have been a few men of God over the centuries who've got a hold of this thing and really run with it. Jeremiah's one of them. Somebody read Jeremiah fifteen sixteen. When your words came, I ate them. They were not my joy. They were my joy, excuse me. They were my heart's delight, for I bear your name, O Lord God Almighty. I mean, it, isn't that odd? To say it that way. Um, Ezekiel. Somebody go to Ezekiel 3, 1 through 3. <laughs> Your turn. Yeah. This is the one I'm hitting. With. Ezekiel 3, is it? Yeah, Ezekiel 3, 1 through 3. Don't make Sean read it all. Then he said to me, Son of man, eat what you find, eat this scroll, and go. Speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he fed me this scroll. He said to me, Son of man, feed your stomach and fill your body with this scroll, which I am giving to you. Then I ate, then I ate it, and it was sweet as honey in my mouth. Okay. Uh, Revelation. One more. Revelation. uh, Where the heck was it at? Oh, it's the white horse. Is that is that nineteen? I can't remember the white horse. Somebody help me find it. <laughs> You're gonna burn the house down here. Lady over here who knows this house turned this thing on correctly. <laughs> 
It's talking about the, the white horse. Uh, where was it? I thought it was towards the, towards the end. Try it. What does it say? And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and wages war. Keep going. His eyes are a flame, are a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. Diadems. Crowns. Kind of. And he has names written on him, which no one knows except himself. He is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. There we go. There's, with these two prophets and, and this right here, Lord's indicating that the word is more than just a word. It's got substance to it. And and what did the what did the Lord say to uh say to Satan when he said when he was hungry during his temptation? He said, You if you're God, turn these stones into bread. And what was his response? Doesn't live by bread alone, but but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. This isn't just symbolism. There, there's substance to this. God spoke the universe into existence out of nothing. And He has given us His authority. The, the centurion was not an Israelite. And he says, Sir, he, was it his servant? Heal my servant? Mm-hmm. He says, well, I'll go with you right now. He goes, no, 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 no. I'm not fit to have you under my roof. But I understand authority. Just speak the word. That blew the Lord's mind. He says, I haven't seen faith like that in all Israel. So, so this guy had a handle on it. And his servant was healed at that very moment he spoke the word. Um, Joshua 1.8 now, if this is one of those that you need to uh, read and read Josh, Joshua and, and just really assimilate his life. I mean, anytime Moses went into the presence of God, Joshua was there. He was just hanging out, and when uh, when he took over command, he understood. The word of God, he had heard it, he understood it, and he lived by it. Someone read Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. 
for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. Here's the Lord's talking to Joshua. He's getting ready to go into Canaan, the land of the giants. Except they were never looked at as giants by Joshua. When Moses sent out the original 12 spies, 10 of them came back and said, we're grasshoppers in their eyes. Or, and they, Joshua came and go, what the heck are you talking about, man? Where you been? This is for the taking. They had a whole different perspective because they were living with the Word of God. And what what is God instructing them? He's getting ready to go fight 39 different nations in Canaan. Bad people. There's total destruction. He annihilates them all. He's not talking to God about strategy. He's not talking about God, how he should assemble his army. God is telling him, just put the law and meditate on it. I'll take care of the rest. That's, doesn't that seem a little odd? You're getting ready to go into a land and you're going you're gonna to go over, overthrow 39 different nations. And God's telling you, meditate on the word. There's power in that. And what did they do? Their first, their first thing that they did was Jericho. They didn't say a word. They just marched around it seven days. I think seven days. Seven days? I think you're right. Seven days. And they released the word of God. The word of God was, Whoa, whatever they were saying. And the walls fell flat down and they walked in. If I'm not mistaken, he never commanded them to go look to spy out the lands anyways. No, he, he didn't. commanded yep. them, go and take these lands. Yep, he did not and mess they around. spied and they came back saying, oh, they're too big for us. Same guy was running out of daylight. He spoke a word and the sun stood. You know what they have? Astro, astrama is, how do you say it? Astro, astronomy. In astronomy, they, I think they have proved that the sun stood still for I forget how many hours in a certain time in astrology. And Joshua did that. He spoke to the sun to stand still so they could win that battle. A spoken word. That wasn't Joshua's word. Yes, he spoke it, but it, was, it had the presence of God piggybacked on it. And it became something different. It was, it was creative and powerful. Uh, Joshua, Simpson, Joshua, Joshua, uh, blah, blah, Joshua, one five. What did the Lord say? No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Not one man will stand before you. This was, this was a man of God who understood the law. The Lord's telling him to meditate on it. Don't change anything you've been doing this last 40 years. Keep doing what you're doing. No one will stand. No one did. 39 fell. 39 nations. Um, oh, yeah, there it was. That was night. Did we read Revelation 1911? Yes. That's what it was, right? Yep, I, I found it on my notes on down here now. Uh, something else you'll find when that word is really piggybacked with the word of God you are really going to ruffle feathers 
You read about Jeremiah. You can read about Jeremiah. Jeremiah 38, 1 through 6. He was thrown into a pit. The men of Jerusalem didn't like what he was saying. They threw him in a pit. Um, Peter says in, in, in 4, 3 that you, that you are to speak oracles of God. That, that's like God's own mouthpiece. That's the way that translates. There was more than just preaching with these guys. As a matter of fact, Paul says, I didn't come with basically fancy sermons, PowerPoints. I came with the power of God. I bet if you heard Paul preach, you wouldn't hear anything eloquent out of his mouth. But it was very pointed and directed. And he, he made people mad everywhere he went. And you know what? This day and age is going to be the very same. I read an article this week. There was a church publication back in the 80s. I forgot what it, which one it was. They did, a, they did a study in 1980. They sent this questionnaire out to all the prominent denominations of the time. One of the questions was, do you believe in the deity of Jesus Christ? They had, I forget, thousands, 7,000 some ministers respond, and they gave the percentages. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find that, that study and read them to you because it's going to blow your mind. How many, do you, how many of you believe in the deity of Jesus? Those pastors that wrote back... The Lutherans were in the 40 or 50 percent no. Methodist, same thing. Baptist, the same thing. Another one of the questions was, do you believe in the virgin birth? I think the, the averages even went up. That is a perfect picture of nothing but Pharisees right there, folks. It's the same day. It's the same thing, different day. And when we start speaking the truth, those are the people that we're going to anger. They're the ones who are going to want to eat us for lunch, along with Herod's and everybody else. They're all the same. Jesus said, you're of your father. And those Jews said, what are you talking about? We're direct descendants of Abraham. Jesus was response. You're of your father, the devil. When you are confronted with a true word spoken by a man of God, and that's where you're going to hear this from. Jesus isn't going to show up on the street on his soapbox and preach in this last time. He's preaching through men of God. And those men of God are going to continue to grow and transform into his image. And he also says, and they didn't receive my word, so don't think they're going to receive yours because I'm sending you. Nothing changes. Now we did read the parables that Jesus talks about in the end days, how the plowman's going to overtake the sower and, and those kind of things. So I believe in this last time, we've kind of... It, it's, it's weird. It's almost like there's a wave that's just pushing on us right now. 
and we're all up against this wave. But pretty soon we're going we're gonna to understand it in this last time and we're going to dive under it. And that big wave is going to come up and we're going to come on the other side and we're going to see men of God moving beyond anything we read here. It has to be. To accomplish what the Lord wants to accomplish in, accomplish in this end day, we have to move beyond where they were going to move. Now there's that other parable. How are we going to look at it? How am I going to... I've basically been leading this Bible study. But what happens when a Ben Jones comes in and God gives him a revelation that just blows me away and is above anything that God's given me? How do I respond to that? I've been a Christian for 20-some years. I'm not going to turn this over to this kid who's been a Christian for three months. Am I going to respond like the parable in the vineyard where he gave him one denarii at 6 a.m.? And the one that come in just as they were finishing up, he gave him one denarii. Am I going to respond like all the others that started early? And say, what the heck? How come he's making the same amount of money as me? I've been here all day. I look forward to it. It excites me. Because the world, even the church world, looks at it that way. Most of them think you've got to go to seminary. You have to be educated in the Word. They have to tell you what this means. How else could you preach it? When the Lord looked over and saw these two fishermen out here probably cussing because they weren't catching any fish, and He says, follow me. Those ended up being martyred for God. They turned the world upside down. It's the common man that's going to do this. It's the man in this room right here that's going to do that that are just going to find a way, have the tenacity to actually approach God and say, no, 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 no. You said this. You can't go back on your word. This says you can't go back on your... Can you imagine talking to God like that? Almost sounds sacrilegious, right? Moses did it. Moses said, God said, get out of my way. I'm going to kill your people. They're down there. They made a molten calf. He goes, oh, 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 hold on. No, 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 no. You repent. Because you're the one who brought them out. We can't have the Egyptians say, you brought them out to do evil. Guess what God did? He repented. Moses changed God's mind. We, we look at things so goofy. I mean, we have made an image of God in our own mind, and it's not real. He's looking for somebody that he's looking for somebody to grab a hold of him and wrestle him all freaking night long and, and says, It's daylight, let me go. And he said, I ain't letting you go till you bless me. Is that sacrilegious? Jacob did it and he changed his name that very moment to Israel. And you know and you know what? He made a monument, Jacob did, of that place. I forget the name of it in Hebrew, but it says, I have seen the face of God and lived. That's what he's after. That kind of people. Uh, here I blew it all up again. <laughs> it's this is this has been a rough week. We talked about fasting and stuff last week, and, and I've done that this week. And I, I I've never really understood fasting to a great degree, except it's something I should do. 
and what I got out of it this week was, and what was weird is, I never felt physically weak. Physically, I didn't feel weak this week, fasting. Where I felt weak was in my spirit. I felt just beat up all week long. And the Lord kind of finished it up. With, uh, in your weakness, I make you strong. So that's what I got out of that. Don't look at each, of, each one of you in this room. Don't ever look at each other ever again in the flesh. We know each other real well. We're all family for the most part. All of us are family. Riley's even family. So we know each of our downfalls and all that. That's, that, that's, why, the, that's why the Lord says you're never, you're never welcome in your, in your own city because they know you. They know all your traits. They know all those kind of things. God's going to move in each of us no matter what our weaknesses are. Whatever Stephen's weakness is, that's what the Lord's going to make strong. He's going to make him move in some area that I can't. Because that's what the body ministry is. And it's all going to come from the Word of God. It's going to be this war over this spoken word. When God starts manifesting Him stuff, and we really get into this thing, and we really start speaking the Word of God, prophesying over each other, mountains are going to be moved. Our walk with God is going to exponentially explode. We are going to see these signs that we're talking about in Mark. If I lay my hands on my dad and he doesn't instantly get healed like he should, do I throw in the towel or do I lie about it? No, I just go pray again tomorrow until we get this thing right. That's what we do. Well, once we start getting it right and we start getting that that feeling of God coursing through our veins, that's when we're going to turn the world upside down. And it's not going to be the norm. It's not going to be what we've seen in church for 2,000 years. It's going to be what we started seeing in the New Testament. We're going to see the Elijahs come forth and say, Ahab, you spoke wrong about God. Now it's not going to rain on you for three and a half years. Deal with that, Bubba, and walk off. And in three and a half years later, you okay? You learn your lesson? All right, let it rain. Word of God. He sent 50 soldiers to kill Elijah three different times. And I think he, he spoke to the Lord and fire came down and consumed them. Every, the third one went out. He was on his knees praying, please don't let God kill us, if I remember the story right. But Elijah knew the Word of God. There was a whirlwind, all kinds of chaos. He's in that cave, and he, heard, he, he knew the Word of God, and he heard the still, small voice. Out of all that chaos, he was able to decipher the Word of God. That's what we have to strive for. That's what we have to push for, is to know the Word of God. Don't think he's going to stand on the corner. I'm not saying he won't. Because as soon as I say that, he'll be out here, what did you tell him that for? And then I'll be on my face, shaking on the ground. But 
for the most part, he's not going to work like that. He's going to work through the brothers. And I will recognize Christ in Steve when he prophesies. I'll recognize him in Melissa. I'll recognize him in Melinda, Billy, whoever. That's the way this thing's going to be. As a matter of fact, I've asked Billy if he will uh, lead Bible study next week. Because it's time other people start getting involved in this thing. And start, that's, that's, that's how you get to know him. You take on the responsibility of the kingdom. And I don't care if you've, if he's ever done it before or not. Another time it's going to be somebody else. Sean's going to bring the word pretty soon. I haven't asked him to do it because I look at him as the elder in this thing. So we're going to get these young pups involved, get them moving and shaking, because that's what God wants. That's, she's wanting to make disciples. And when you start going down that road... And you start taking on that responsibility and, let, and, and instead of letting somebody else feed you, you start eating that scroll. You start assimilating and you start bringing it back up and, and really focusing on it because now you're carrying the responsibility for your brothers and sisters because you, you're going to bring them some food. It's, it's equal opportunity in the kingdom. That reminds me of some scripture in Isaiah. Isaiah 42, 16 says, I will lead the blind by the ways they have not known. Along unfamiliar paths, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness into light before them. I will make rough places smooth. What he's saying there, he's not talking about just leading blind people to where they hit. He's talking about us, about kind of what, you, what your dad's saying is, I'm not ready for this. Well, if you if you dive into this a bit more and pray about Next week, leading this—that's what he's going. He's going to lead you. He's going to lead. He's. You're going to be speaking things that you're like I told you that one time. When you pray to the Holy Spirit, you'll be speaking things that you don't even realize. You're, oh my goodness, that's coming from me. That's pretty amazing. So it's all about just focus on Him and focus on the uh, Holy Spirit. Have Him guide you. Look, look for the words from Him. I, I, I love this passage, and the whole time Bill was talking, it kept reminding me of this, that he's going to lead the blind, which is me, by the ways that I've never even known. You know, and I'm being led almost every day by this. It's, it's pretty amazing. It, 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 it's, it's not Harry Potter, guys. It's going to happen. Yeah. It is going to happen. These things, what we call supernatural or natural in, this, in God's realm, it's, it's nothing super for him. We look at it as super because it breaks every physical law that we know and that we observe. I mean, how can someone speak to someone and they're immediately healed? The, the, the Lord didn't even, half the time he didn't even say it like that. He, he'd look at them and say, take up your bed and walk. Mm-hmm. Now, th- now think of that. Somebody's been paralyzed for 20-some years. Paralyzed. Can't walk. And somebody tells you, take up your bed. There had to be something in that word to give that man the faith to just stand up after laying down for 20-some years. I mean, most people would, would want to go, well, I, am I feeling anything? I, you know, I got... They jumped up and was leaping and joying and praising God. So that spoken word, when he said, take up your bed, had something in it that grabbed a hold of him and moved his thinking beyond normal. 
Any normal person been bedridden for 30 years, 20 years, wouldn't automatically just jump up. That's awesome. And he did that often. And, and, and then he would do other things that, that were just, you're going, what? Spit in the mud, rubbed it on his eye, told him to go wash. He's, he's got to stumble through the city. He's blind. Find the pool of go find the pool of Shalom. I didn't know how far it was. But there had to be, yeah, he had never seen it. So, so you just, there's something attached with that that, that gives you faith. You know, uh, one of the disciples said, help my, help, help my little faith or help my unbelief or whatever it was. That's what God does. We worry about having faith. That's an imparted gift with everything else. When he speaks that word or when a brother speaks that word and it's from God, he can impart that faith to you at the same time. You know, people, people say, well, he didn't have faith. That's why he wasn't healed. No, there wasn't a spoken word of God that was spoken to him. If there was a real spoken word of God, that would have activated the faith within him, and he would have been healed just like Jesus did it, just like Apostle Paul did it, just like Elisha and Elijah did it. They all did it. I, I have prayed over people a million times to be healed, and none of them have been healed. But by God, there is going to be a day that it's going to happen. I'm not going to stop till it does. And when it does... It's going to be leaping and joy. And then I can say, that's what God does. This other stuff that didn't happen, that was me. This was God. And it's obvious. And those kind of things are what's going to bring people into the kingdom. That's what brought it. That's what, what, what had a, a big following then. Now, I understand after a while, Jesus is doing all these miracles. They were following to get what they could get. I understand that. But there still was a remnant that got the real part of it. But... They, were, they noticed it because of what Christ was doing. They noticed it because of what the apostles were doing. Upsetting whole synagogues. They knew the whole Sanhedrin was after them to kill them. They knew that these guys were the real deal. And it's going to be that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God says they're going to hate you because they hated me. So get ready for it. When you really start speaking the, the, the Word of God that's got the, the power and the DNA of God attached to it, you're going to freak Satan out because he knows once you get a hold of that little secret and you start passing God's DNA out of your voice, your mouthpiece is like him speaking it. He's only got so many demons, so many devils. And, he, and think about it, guys. You, you know, the devil's good. And for any of us to think that we can outmaneuver him, you are a fool. The only way that will ever happen is with the wisdom of God, with Christ. That's the only way it happens. That's why it's got to be a true spoken word of God. If it's out of you, he's going to smoke you every single time. But the caveat to that is, he's got so many fallen angels, so many demons, whatever those are, attached to his little charade, but he is not God. He is not omnipresent. He's not omniscient. They're all liars. They're all scoundrels. So they're all in it for themselves. So they're not all, you know, he doesn't know everything they're doing all the time. It, it's pretty easy if you work out the wisdom of God to go ahead and defeat this. 
and his foe in the end time. All we got to do is stay in it. And there's only a limited amount. We start casting out demons. Pretty soon, there's not going to be any more to cast out. And he says, when he comes back, there's one foe left. One foe left. All of the other enemies are made his footstool. That's what the Bible says. He's not coming back till they've made all of his enemies a, 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 a footstool under his feet except one. And we get to watch him grab that one. That's going to be cool. Amen. Amen. That's it. Amen. <laughs> Anybody else got anything? Questions? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think we need to take uh, that guy way down there and bring him up here and let it be. Let it get the, the whole. Pray for him? Yes. All right. You just got out of surgery. You need that. You need some. You need some relief for that anyway. And we're gonna bless you to bring the word next week. How's that? Okay. John one. One through five. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being by Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. And and in Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. The the darkness is, is Satan himself. And in the beginning, he he didn't comprehend it. He still doesn't comprehend it because he was a liar from the beginning. And the Lord says, the truth will set you free. So he still... He still doesn't get it, but he does understand it to some degree. And he does understand that for whatever reason, everything that happens is through the spoken word of God. So his main intent is to disrupt that in some way. And that's where we as Christians really don't get it. We read it, but we don't get it. For the most part, if we did, we would, just like we talked about last week in Mark, the signs would accompany us and it would be the norm instead of the rarity. Um, We will get it. It's just going to take somebody to grab a hold of it in in this generation. It is way more, it's so simple, but yet it's not. Our spoken word, unless it is piggybacked with Christ, it doesn't carry the power of Christ. And that's that's what I want to get into a little bit with, with, with the word. We read the, I have read it cover to cover. 
the time I read it cover to cover, that was my goal, was to read it cover to cover. How much did I get out of it, do you think, when I read it that time cover to cover? Not much. Not much. (laughs) Because I just read it to read it. There are so many symbolisms in, in the Old Testament... For for instance, one of the why do you think one of the reasons why they chose some animals as clean and some animals as unclean? For one reason, what's a criteria for a clean animal in the Old Testament? Split hoof. Split hoof, and it had to chew the cud. Mm-hmm. Well, that all that means is regurgitate, chew it, swallow it again. There you go. What do you think that was? An idiom Symbol, of yeah, symbolism for us to for this word, right? We chew on it, right? We we don't read it cover to cover. We read it and then we meditate. We we bring it back up, and that's what makes it alive. That's that's when it becomes powerful. You can have a minister who's been to seminary, knows it cover to cover, and has been taught how to do a what I call a canned sermon, say on salvation. And if he has got into the groove of just going through the ritual every Sunday just to give one of those sermons that he's been taught to give in seminary, he can get up and do a very eloquent job of that. But if Christ isn't in it, I mean, just... He could very well happens, and it happens all the time. A minister will get up and preach something, just put it together with his PowerPoint, did a very good job, but he gets up and just reads it, basically. And there's no response from the congregation. Some man that, that just had a meeting with God, a personal meeting that has just changed his whole life, could get up and read his PowerPoint after being in the presence of God and have that life-changing experience, and I guarantee you he would move the people. Because piggybacked in his word has been the attachment of the presence of God. You know, you can you can put on, and, and I do this sometimes, I'll put on when I go to sleep sometimes, somebody just reading scripture. But it's some actor paid to, to recite that. And very often, it's, it's better than listening to garbage without, without any doubt. But most of the time, I can't tell you what, it, what even passage they even read. But I know a man of God would read it that's been in the presence of God, and I would be moved by it. Spoken word isn't just spoken word when it comes to Christ. Christ is the word. That's what John said. He was, he was the creativity part of God. The spoken word of God created the universe. That spoken word of God that created the universe became man and dwelt among us. Now there again, typical... Adamic nature. How many people do we know in Christianity who still see Jesus hanging on the cross? 
Paul says, we knew him once in the flesh, but we know him that way no more. He is a resurrected, changed thing. He, he is deity. He's, he, he, he was here for 33 years, and that was it. I think 33. No, 30. Was it 30? 30. Was he 30 years? 33. Was he 33? Yeah. Was it 33? Oh, he started his ministry at 30, right? So, yeah, 33. It's we we have to and and that's the key to all this that, that God has given us is the word and that's what that's why the, the Satan wars against it that's why we're not moving in miracles and doing those kind of things because we're not pursuing this like we should and I'm not talking about just reading the word I'm talking about how we pray the whole nine has to be attached with the living word of God before it to be powerful. Now, again, even Jesus says, no one knows the exact time of the end time. Jesus says, only the Father knows. I believe, like I, we've talked about before, God doesn't live in time when he decides it's time for the end time it may be somewhere on our timeline it will be somewhere on our timeline but to him that doesn't exist he is waiting for someone to appropriate the end time he's waiting for a generation to grab a hold of it see the war He's is over. The war is over. The word. The, the darkness. The darkness is trying to put dark on the light, and it ain't gonna happen. <laughs> what, did you need to reset it or something? Right behind you. Just uh. We're on the shelf. Oh, I see it. Okay. And keep it by you. Click right above. Yeah, it'll. it'll uh, there we are. Keep it there. There is. <laughs> he he is waiting for for somebody to. Like that, like that parable says, I don't need no stinking lie. <laughs> what is wrong with that? <laughs> it's wrong. She's going to be smarter than the remote. <laughs> that I'm not. That's just on off. Somebody, uh, while I finish talking here, somebody go to Jeremiah fifteen sixteen. There have been a few men of God over the centuries who've got a hold of this thing. And really run with it. Jeremiah's one of them. Somebody read Jeremiah fifteen sixteen. When your words came, I ate them. They were not my joy. They were. they were my joy, excuse me. They were my heart's delight. For I bear your name, O Lord God Almighty. I mean, it, isn't that odd? To say it that way. Um, Ezekiel, somebody go to Ezekiel 3, 1 through 3. <laughs> Your turn. Yeah. This is the one I'm hitting with. Ezekiel 3, is it? Yeah, Ezekiel 3, 1 through 3. Don't make Sean read it all. Then he said to me, Son of man, eat what you find, eat this scroll, and go. Speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth and fed me this scroll. He said to me, Son of man, feed your stomach and fill your body with this scroll. 
which I am giving to you. Then I ate, then I ate it, and it was sweet as honey in my mouth. Okay. Uh, Revelation. One more. Revelation. Uh, where the heck was it at? Oh, it's the white horse. Is that is that nineteen? I can't remember the white horse. Somebody help me find it. <laughs> You're gonna burn the house down here. It's talking about the the white horse. Ah, where was it? I thought it was towards the towards the end. Try it. What does it say? And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and wages war. Keep going. His eyes are a flame, are a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. Diadems. Crowns. Kind of. And he has names written on him, which no one knows except himself. He is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. There we go. There's, with these two prophets and, and this right here, Lord's indicating that the Word is more than just a Word. It's got substance to it. And, and what, did the, what did the Lord say to, uh, say to Satan when he, said, when he was hungry? During his temptation, he said, "You, if you're God, turn these stones into bread." And what was his response? Man does not live by bread alone. Doesn't live by bread alone, but but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. This isn't just symbolism. There, there's substance to this. God spoke the universe into existence out of nothing. And he has given us his authority. The, the centurion was not an Israelite. And he says, sir, he, was it his servant? Heal my servant? He says, well, I'll go with you right now. He goes, no, 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 no. I'm not fit to have you under my roof. But I understand authority. Just speak the word. That blew the Lord's mind. He says, I haven't seen faith like that in all Israel. So, so this guy had a handle on it. And his servant was healed at that very moment he spoke the word. Um, Joshua 1.8. Joshua 1.8. 
Now, if this is one of those that you need to uh, read and read Josh Joshua and, and just really assimilate his life. I mean, anytime Moses went into the presence of God, Joshua was there. He was just hanging out. And when uh, when he took over command, he understood the word of God. He had heard it, he understood it, and he lived by it. Someone read Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. But you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. Here's the Lord's talking to Joshua. He's getting ready to go into Canaan, the land of the giants. Except they were never looked at as giants by Joshua. When Moses sent out the original 12 spies, 10 of them came back and said, we're grasshoppers in their eyes. Or, and they... Joshua kept going, what the heck are you talking about, man? Where have you been? This is for the taking. They had a whole different perspective because they were living with the Word of God. And what, what is God instructing him? He's getting ready to go fight 39 different nations in Canaan. Bad people. There's total destruction. He annihilates them all. He's not talking to God about strategy. He's not talking about God, how he should assemble his army. God is telling him, just put the law and meditate on it. I'll take care of the rest. That's, doesn't that seem a little odd? You're getting ready to go into a land and you're going you're gonna to go over, overthrow 39 different nations. And God's telling you, meditate on the word. There's power in that. And what did they do? Their first, their first thing that they did was Jericho. They didn't say a word. They just marched around it seven days. I think seven days. Seven days? I think you're right. Seven days. And they released the word of God. The word of God was, Whoa! whatever they were saying. And the walls fell flat down and they walked in. If I'm not mistaken, he never commanded them to go look to spy out the lands. Anyways. No, he, he didn't. Commanded yep. them go and take these lands. Yep, he did not and mess they around. Spied and they came back saying, "Oh, they're too big for us." Same guy was running out of daylight. He spoke a word, and the sun stood. You know what they have? Astro, astrama is how do you say it? Astro, astronomy. In astronomy, they I think they have proved. That the sun stood still for I forget how many hours in a certain time in astrology. And Joshua did that. He spoke to the sun to stand still so they could win that battle. A spoken word. That wasn't Joshua's word. Yes, he spoke it, but it was it had the presence of God piggybacked on it, and it became something different. It was it was creative and powerful. Uh, Joshua, Simpson from Joshua, Joshua, uh, Joshua 1, 5. What did the Lord say? No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. 
I will not fail you or forsake you. Not one man will stand before you. This was, this was a man of God who understood the law. The Lord's telling him to meditate on it. Don't change anything you've been doing this last 40 years. Keep doing what you're doing. No one will stand. No one did. 39 fell. 39 nations. Um, oh, yeah, there it was. That was night. Did we read Revelation 1911? Yes. That's what it was, right? Yep, I, I found it on my notes on down here now. <laughs> uh, something else you'll find when that word is really piggybacked with the word of God you are really going to ruffle feathers you read about Jeremiah you can read about Jeremiah Jeremiah 38 1-6 he was thrown into a pit the men of Jerusalem didn't like what he was saying they threw him in a pit um Peter says in, in, in 4.3 that you, that you are to speak oracles of God. That, that's like God's own mouthpiece. That's the way that translates. There was more than just preaching with these guys. As a matter of fact, Paul says, I didn't come with basically fancy sermons, PowerPoints. I came with the power of God. I bet if you heard Paul preach, you wouldn't hear anything eloquent out of his mouth. But it was very pointed and directed. And he, he made people mad everywhere he went. And you know what? This day and age is going to be the very same. I read an article this week. There was a church publication back in the 80s. I forgot what it, which one it was. They did, a, they did a study in 1980. They sent this questionnaire out to all the prominent denominations of the time. One of the questions was, do you believe in the deity of Jesus Christ? They had, I forget, thousands, seven thousand some ministers respond, and they gave the percentages. And I'm gonna I'm gonna find that that study and read them to you because it's gonna blow your mind. How many do you how many of you believe in the deity of Jesus? Those pastors that wrote back, the Lutherans were in the 40 or 50 percent no. Methodists, same thing. Baptist, the same thing. Another one of the questions was, do you believe in the virgin birth? I think the, the averages even went up. That is a perfect picture of nothing but Pharisees right there, folks. It's the same day. It's the same thing, different day. And when we start speaking the truths... Those are the people that we're going to anger. They're the ones who are going to want to eat us for lunch, along with Herod's and everybody else. They're all the same. Jesus said, you're of your father. And those Jews said, what are you talking about? We're direct descendants of Abraham. Jesus' was response, you're of your father the devil. 
When you are confronted with a true word spoken by a man of God, and that's where you're going to hear this from. Jesus isn't going to show up on the street on his soapbox and preach in this last time. He's preaching through men of God. And those men of God are going to continue to grow and transform into his image. And he also says, and they didn't receive my word, so don't think they're going to receive yours because I'm sending you. Nothing changes. Now, we did read the parables that Jesus talks about in the end days, how the plowman's going to overtake the sower and, and those kind of things. So I believe in this last time, we've kind of, it, it's, it's weird. It's almost like there's a wave that's just pushing on us right now. And we're all up against this wave. But pretty soon we're going we're gonna to understand it in this last time and we're going to dive under it. And that big wave is going to come up and we're going to come on the other side and we're going to see men of God moving beyond anything we read here. It has to be. To accomplish what the Lord wants to accomplish in, accomplish in this end day, we have to move beyond where they were going to move. Now there's that other parable. How are we going to look at it? How am I going to... I've basically been leading this Bible study. But what happens when a Ben Jones comes in and God gives him a revelation that just blows me away and is above anything that God's given me? How do I respond to that? I've been a Christian for 20-some years. I'm not going to turn this over to this kid who's been a Christian for three months. Am I going to respond like the parable in the vineyard where he gave him one denarii at 6 a.m.? And the one that come in just as they were finishing up, he gave them one denarii. Am I going to respond like all the others that started early? And say, what the heck? How come he's making the same amount of money as me? I've been here all day. I look forward to it. It excites me. Because the world, even the church world, looks at it that way. Most of them think you've got to go to seminary. You have to be educated in the Word. They have to tell you what this means. How else could you preach it? When the Lord looked over and saw these two fishermen out here probably cussing because they weren't catching any fish, and He says, follow me. Those ended up being martyred for God. They turned the world upside down. It's the common man that's going to do this. It's the men in this room right here that's going to do that that are just going to find a way, have the tenacity to actually approach God and say, no, 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 no. You said this. You can't go back on your word. This says you can't go back on your... Can you imagine talking to God like that? Almost sounds sacrilegious, right? Moses did it. Moses said, God said, get out of my way. I'm going to kill your people. They're down there. They made a molten calf. He goes, oh, 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 hold on. No, 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 no. You repent. Because you're the one who brought them out. We can't have the Egyptians say, you brought them out to do evil. Guess what God did? He repented. Moses changed God's mind. We, we look at things so goofy. I mean, we have made an image of God in our own mind, and it's not real. He's looking for somebody that he's looking for somebody to grab a hold of him and wrestle him all freaking night long and, and says, It's daylight, let me go. And he said, I ain't letting you go till you bless me. 
Is that sacrilegious? Jacob did it, and he changed his name that very moment to Israel. And you know, and you know what? He made a monument, Jacob did, of that place. I forget the name of it in Hebrew. But it says, I have seen the face of God and lived. That's what he's after. That kind of people. Uh, here I blew it all up again. <laughs> it's, this, is, this has been a rough week. We talked about fasting and stuff last week, and, and I've done that this week. And I, I, I've never really understood fasting to a great degree, except it's something I should do. And what I got out of it this week was, and what was weird is, I never felt physically weak. Physically, I didn't feel weak this week, fasting. Where I felt weak was in my spirit. I felt just beat up all week long. And the Lord kind of finished it up. With uh, in your weakness, I make you strong. So that's what I got out of that. Don't look at each of each one of you in this room. Don't ever look at each other ever again in the flesh. We know each other real well. We're all family for the most part. All of us are family. Riley's even family. So we know each of our downfalls and all that. That's that, that's why the that's why the Lord says you're never you're never welcome in your in your own city because they know you. They know all your traits. They know all those kind of things. God's going to move in each of us no matter what our weaknesses are. Whatever Stephen's weakness is, that's what the Lord's going to make strong. He's going to make him move in some area that I can't. Because that's what the body ministry is. And it's all going to come from the Word of God. It's going to be this war over this spoken word. When God starts manifesting Him stuff, and we really get into this thing, and we really start speaking the Word of God, prophesying over each other, mountains are going to be moved. Our walk with God is going to exponentially explode. We are going to see these signs that we're talking about in Mark. If I lay my hands on my dad and he doesn't instantly get healed like he should, do I throw in the towel or do I lie about it? No, I just go pray again tomorrow until we get this thing right. That's what we do. Well, once we start getting it right and we start getting that that feeling of God coursing through our veins, that's when we're going to turn the world upside down. And it's not going to be the norm. It's not going to be what we've seen in church for 2,000 years. It's going to be what we started seeing in the New Testament. We're going to see the Elijahs come forth and say, Ahab, you spoke wrong about God. Now it's not going to rain on you for three and a half years. Deal with that, Bubba, and walk off. And in three and a half years later, you okay? You learn your lesson? All right, let it rain. Word of God. He sent 50 soldiers to kill Elijah three different times. 
And I think he, he spoke to the Lord and fire came down and consumed him. Every, the third one went out. He was on his knees praying, please don't let God kill us, if I remember the story right. But Elijah knew the Word of God. There was a whirlwind, all kinds of chaos. He's in that cave, and he, heard, he, he knew the Word of God, and he heard the still, small voice. Out of all that chaos... He was able to decipher the Word of God. That's what we have to strive for. That's what we have to push for is to know the Word of God. Don't think he's going to stand on the corner. I'm not saying he won't. Because as soon as I say that, he'll be out here, what did you tell him that for? And then I'll be on my face shaking on the ground. But for the most part, he's not going to work like that. He's going to work through the brothers. And I will recognize Christ in Steve when he prophesies. I'll recognize him in Melissa. I'll recognize him in Melinda, Billy, whoever. That's the way this thing's going to be. As a matter of fact, I've asked Billy if he will uh, lead Bible study next week. Because it's time other people start getting involved in this thing. And start, that's, that's, that's how you get to know him. You take on the responsibility of the kingdom. And I don't care if you if he's ever done it before or not. Another time it's going to be somebody else. Sean's going to bring the word pretty soon. I haven't asked him to do it because I look at him as the elder in this thing. So we're going to get these young pups involved, get them moving and shaking because that's what God wants. That's she's wanting to make disciples. And when you start going down that road, and you start taking on that responsibility, and, let, and, and instead of letting somebody else feed you. You start eating that scroll. You start assimilating and you start bringing it back up and, and really focusing on it because now you're carrying the responsibility for your brothers and sisters because you, you're going to bring them some food. It's, it's equal opportunity in the kingdom. <laughs> that reminds me of some scripture in Isaiah. Isaiah forty-two sixteen says, I will lead the blind by the ways they have not known. Along unfamiliar paths, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness into light before them. I will make rough places smooth. What he's saying there, he's not talking about just leading blind people to where they hit. He's talking about us, about kind of what, you, what your dad's saying is, I'm not ready for this. Well, if you if you dive into this a bit more and pray about next week leading this, that's what he's going to, he's going to lead you. He's going to lead, he's, you're going to be, Speaking things that you're like I told you that one time when you pray to the Holy Spirit You'll be speaking things that you don't even realize. You're, oh my goodness. That's coming from me. That's pretty amazing So it's all about just focus on him and focus on the uh, Holy Spirit have him guide you Look look for the words from him I, I, I love this passage and then the whole time Bill was talking it kept reminding me of this that he's gonna lead the blind which is me by the ways that I've never even known. You know, and I'm being led almost every day by this. It's, it's pretty amazing. It, 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 it's, it's not Harry Potter, guys. It's going to happen. Yeah. It is going to happen. These things, what we call supernatural or natural in, this, in God's realm. It's, it's nothing super for Him. We look at it as super because it breaks every physical law that we know. And that we observe. I mean, how can someone speak to someone and they're immediately healed? The, the, the Lord didn't even... 
Half the time, he didn't even say it like that. He, he'd look at him and say, take up your bed and walk. Now, th- now think of that. Somebody's been paralyzed for 20-some years. Paralyzed. Can't walk. And somebody tells you, take up your bed. There had to be something in that word to give that man the faith to just stand up after laying down for 20-some years. I mean, most people would, would want to go, well, I, am I feeling anything? I, you know, I got... They jumped up and was leaping and joined and praising God. So that spoken word, when he said, take up your bed, had something in it that grabbed a hold of him and moved his thinking beyond normal. Any normal person been bedridden for 30 years, 20 years, wouldn't automatically just jump up. That's awesome. And he did that often. And, and, and then he would do other things that, that were just, you're going, what? Spit in the mud, rubbed it on his eye, told him to go wash. He's, he's got to stumble through the city. He's blind. He'll go find the pool of Shalom. I didn't know how far it was. But there had to be, yeah, he had never seen it. So, so you just, there's something attached with that that, that gives you faith. You know, uh, one of the disciples said, help my, help, help my little faith or help my unbelief or whatever it was. That's what God does. We worry about having faith. That's an imparted gift with everything else. When he speaks that word or when a brother speaks that word and it's from God, he can impart that faith to you at the same time. You know, people, people say, well, he didn't have faith. That's why he wasn't healed. No, there wasn't a spoken word of God that was spoken to him. If there was a real spoken word of God, that would have activated the faith within him, and he would have been healed just like Jesus did it, just like Apostle Paul did it, just like Elisha and Elijah did it. They all did it. I I have prayed over people a million times to be healed, and none of them have been healed. But by God, there is going to be a day that it's going to happen. I'm not going to stop till it does. And when it does... It's going to be leaping and joy. And then I can say, that's what God does. This other stuff that didn't happen, that was me. This was God. And it's obvious. And those kind of things are what's going to bring people into the kingdom. That's what brought it. That's what, what, what had a, a big following then. Now, I understand after a while, Jesus is doing all these miracles. They were following to get what they could get. I understand that. But there still was a remnant that got the real part of it. But... They, were, they noticed it because of what Christ was doing. They noticed it because of what the apostles were doing. Upsetting whole synagogues. They knew the whole Sanhedrin was after them to kill them. They knew that these guys were the real deal. And it's going to be that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God says they're going to hate you because they hated me. So get ready for it. When you really start speaking the, the, the Word of God that's got the, the power and the DNA of God attached to it, you're going to freak Satan out because he knows once you get a hold of that little secret and you start passing God's DNA out of your voice, your mouthpiece is like him speaking it. He's only got so many demons, so many devils. 
And he, and think about it, guys. You, you know, the devil's good. And for any of us to think that we can outmaneuver him, you are a fool. The only way that will ever happen is with the wisdom of God, with Christ. That's the only way it happens. That's why it's got to be a true spoken word of God. If it's out of you, he's going to smoke you every single time. But the caveat to that is, he's got so many fallen angels, so many demons, whatever those are, attached to his little charade. But he is not God. He is not omnipresent. He's not omniscient. They're all liars. They're all scoundrels. So they're all in it for themselves. So they're not all, you know, he doesn't know everything they're doing all the time. It's pretty easy if you work out the wisdom of God to go ahead and defeat this and his foe in the end time. All we got to do is stay in it. And there's only a limited amount. We start casting out demons. Pretty soon, there's not going to be any more to cast out. And he says, when he comes back, there's one foe left. One foe left. All of the other enemies are made his footstool. That's what the Bible says. He's not coming back till they've made all of his enemies a, 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 a footstool under his feet, except one. And we get to watch him grab that one. That's going to be cool. Amen. Amen. That's it. Amen. <laughs> Anybody else got anything? Questions? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think we need to take uh, that guy way down there and bring him up here and let it be. Let it get the the whole. Pray for him. Yes. All right. You just got out of surgery. You need that. You need some. You need some relief for that anyway. And we're gonna bless you to bring the word next week. How's that?